20 in the morning. The show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Presented by the Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business, the Advocates, I'm telling you, distracted driving is real, especially in the state of Utah. If you are here in Utah, there's only one injury attorney. It is the Advocates at theadvocates.com. If that guy hit you when he was looking at his phone or eating his food or yelling at his kids... That's not your fault. You didn't deserve that, but you do deserve an advocate to fight for everything that you need so you can get back to the best version of yourself. No consultation fees. You never come out of pocket to work with the advocates at theadvocates.com. The Utah Jazz are at the center of the NBA trade world. I expect action. I expect action the aging of the NBA to commence shortly. Yeah. I'd be surprised if the Jazz were not one of the busiest teams at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, how I could would, they not be? I would be really surprised. You know? you know, we've talked about this a lot on the on the showgram. Program. And I'm telling you now that the Utah Jazz, I, I, I'm not going to say are controlling the trade business, but they're at the center of it. The Utah Jazz have the most in-demand players in the NBA right now. And I think when you look at how aggressive teams are being, we're less than a week away now from the NBA trade deadline. And and it is no surprise that the Jazz have Beasley, this, you know, Mike Conley, obviously this, this Jared Vanderbilt rumor from Shams last night, where Shams is reporting that the Portland Trailblazers are interested in Jared Vanderbilt, I think people freaked out over that and assumed that a Vando to Portland trade was imminent. I have not heard that it is close. Um, I know that there are probably at least half a dozen teams. I've been told that no less than Dallas, um, certainly the Lakers and the Clippers. I have not heard Portland, I'll be honest with you. Um, all of those teams are interested in Jared Vanderbilt. And, and why would you not be? Phoenix is interested in Jared Vanderbilt. I think that he is absolutely a guy that will get moved. But I think when you look at the Utah Jazz, Jake, they have got trade chips that people are interested in. I would expect them to be very busy. Yeah, 100%. I think that the Jazz are, you know, the Jazz have been at the center of the trade market for two seasons now. You know, you look back to last summer and last deadline, and they were right in the middle of it, and they're still right in the middle of it. And I think that, you know, the only question that remains really is is just, you know, how much is Danny going to get done at this deadline? Just how far can they fast track the process? You know, because ultimately, you know, you're you're going to remake this roster one way or another. That's inevitable. We all know that. Like it's accepted. But the within that, I think the question is, well, okay, if you're going to remake a roster, how quickly can you get that done? And what's the vision for that that championship caliber? roster because we know that Danny himself his own words basically said I don't have a ton of time to just sit around and do you know a tank for VW type rebuild I really want to turn this thing around and I want to have the Jazz back in serious playoff contention you know inside of three years so to me it's this situation where I I look at this and I say 
yeah, they better have a big deadline. Yeah, you better be active, and and they will be. And and I think you know the 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 scenarios. There are some scenarios I like, other scenarios I don't particularly like. You know, I I, I really like the the Mike Conley to Dallas fit. To me, I feel like that's just a natural, easy, you know, straightforward type deal to make. Dallas needs it. You want to offload the the contract? Like that just seems proper to me. That seems like a classic NBA trade, but. I really hope we see the 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 big three team deal go down. And I don't know what form or fashion that's going to look like. I would love to see John Collins on this team. I would love to see, you know, Phoenix get involved so Danny could pick up another first round pick. Like I'd love to see all that happen. But again, you have this factor of people are wary of getting, you know, tongue and cheek aside, getting aged and getting outdueled in a trade scenario by Danny Ainge. So to me, it will be really interesting to see just how long it takes for the trade deadline to really heat up because there's not a lot of time left. So it, it, like, it's got to happen soon. Yeah, and I, I think Atlanta and the Jazz continue to have conversations um, about Malik Beasley and Kelly Olynyk. I think that there is I, – I agree with you. I think a three-team trade is what's best for the Jazz. And listen, I, I think the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks and the Jazz have a relationship in place that should benefit both sides – in, in making a deal. I think they'd like to make a deal with each other. I think John Collins is a guy, uh, I checked in with a jazz source the other day on John Collins and, and I was told directly, he's a guy that they're still very interested in. Happens that John Collins is in town tonight with the Atlanta Hawks. And I think that there is a chance that John Collins is a guy that becomes a jazz man. I think Miami is probably the most likely trade partner with the jazz right now, right here today. Um, I think when you you look at um, you know the the deal that I talked about on Twitter last night that Miami is interested in a, a Kelly Olynyk Malik Beasley deal and that they are they are willing to include Nikola Jovic, um, but the Jazz want significant draft capital and they do not want to take Duncan Robinson, and without Duncan Robinson in that deal. Frankly, you can't make the salaries match. Yeah. There just isn't the caliber of player and the money attached to that player to make a 1v1 deal between the Jazz and the Heat. So I don't think that you're going to make that deal without a third team. And again, I'm just going to say it, that the, the Phoenix Suns are that best third team dance partner, man. Like they have needs. Jazz and, and Heat have players. And the Suns have draft picks. And it's just a question of, how serious are the Phoenix Suns about winning an NBA championship this year? How much flexibility do they have? Because the other you know, elephant in the room in, in Phoenix is we still have not finalized the ownership change uh, in Phoenix. So Robert Sarver has to approve every single move that's made. And I think that <coughs> creates difficulties there. And it, it is. It's awkward. Absolutely. It's awkward. And I think when you look at what's going on there with, with Sarver and Ishba, and, and I've been told that they are communicating regularly um, that, you know, Ishba is involved in, in, uh, you know, financial decisions, this, this sale needs to get finalized. And if that's going to happen, it needs to happen soon because the Suns need to make deals. And I think the, the news that came out this week about Phoenix, uh, where they have come to the realization that Chris Paul is no longer a top flight point guard in this league and that they need to backstop Chris Paul in the playoffs. There's no better fit or no better guy to do that than Mike Conley. And I know that Conley is in demand, 
Again, from Miami to Atlanta to Dallas to the, the I think less now with the Clippers, more now with the, the Lakers. I think we saw, by the way, if you didn't watch the Laker game last night, you missed a doozy and you missed Patrick Beverly playing significant late minutes and missing two really critical free throws that darn near cost the Lakers that game. No. And I think the Lakers know that they need to upgrade Patrick Beverly. And I think they would love to get their hands on Mike Conley. But again, here's that question. You look at the you look at the 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 first round picks and the value of those. You look at Jordan Clarkson and the Cleveland Cavaliers, who also have very significant interest in Malik Beasley. The problem is the Cavs can't trade their 2024 pick, and their next available first round pick is 2025. And the 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 issue becomes, hey, well, do the do the Utah Jazz have interest in a 2025 first round pick for Malik Beasley? Yeah. And the answer is probably no. I think the 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 Jazz feel like they can get more out of a deal like that than a 2025 first round pick, frankly. Yeah, well, and I think they want the capital as soon as they can get it, and I and I understand that. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's an outlandish request, and and this is sort of the art of negotiation where you have, you know, Danny wants one thing, these teams want another, and and ultimately it's going to come down to. Who blinks first? And I think for Jazz fans, the thing that you can be confident in is that Danny's not going to be that guy because, frankly, he doesn't need to be that guy. That's the beautiful thing about it. Like, Danny, yeah, Danny wants to rebuild this roster and get back to winning as soon as possible. But the reality is if it takes an extra season, it takes an extra season. And so for Danny, that just puts him in a really strong negotiating position to be able to say, hey, yeah, we've got these guys. We've got, you know, players and assets and things that you want. And to get that, you're going to have to give me what I want because I'm not in a particular hurry, but I'm moving with urgency, right? So it's not like he's rushing, but there's a sense of urgency to get this team rebuilt and going in the right direction. And so it's 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 one of those situations where if, if you're on the phone with Danny Ainge, you have to understand that. You have to understand that Danny's only going to budge so much. And, and to think that... You know, Danny would just include uh, an extra player in a three-teamer or do anything unnecessary. I think it's foolish. I think you're you're up in the night. You're 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 expecting something that's never going to happen because Danny Ainge. You know, if we if we just go off of his behavior, Danny Ainge has shown us that that he's going to make deals that benefit him more than the other team. That's what he's shown us. So to me, I, I like the Atlanta John Collins situation. To me. That's like the ideal operating space for Danny Ainge because you've got a Suns team that needs something. They've got draft capital that they own that is is very straightforward. You know, hey, we've got this pick and this slot in the draft. That's going to be your pick. We don't have to play the, you know, the, oh, well, how bad is Brooklyn going to be or how bad is Minnesota going to be or whatever. You don't right, have to play right, that game. Right. You know where that pick is going to be, and that's why I think Danny wants that pick. And furthermore, for the group of jazz fans or the sect of jazz nation that says, well, he's just getting all these picks so we can draft a bunch of people. I don't believe that's the strategy either. I think, yeah, sure. The draft can produce some talent, but, but I think ultimately Danny just wants to have as much at his disposal as he can. So then, you know, when he's, when he goes after a superstar in trade, he's got plenty of draft capital to work with to make the deal happen. Well, I'm also curious how confident we all are that these trades are going to happen. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, talking to to sources at the Jazz this week, um, I've had two, three conversations with sources at the Jazz. I think they are they are wholly open for business, and I think that this conversation with Malik Beasley is the exact 
one that we're talking about because I don't believe that they're in a hurry to trade Malik Beasley. But the feeling that I get is Malik Beasley's a 25-year-old wing player that shoots a three at a high level, and he comes with a nice package. Like the guy has, that probably came out wrong, but you know, um, what I had meant to say was (laughs) he's got a good frame. Like the guy's got a great body for the NBA, and he shoots a three really well. And he's also shown you that he can shoot the the mid-range pretty well. I think that that there are some of these guys that if Danny Ainge had a perfect scenario, he wouldn't trade Malik Beasley. But I think he also understands that Malik Beasley brings him probably the most value value of any of the players that that he has. Yeah. And I think Ryan Smith does not want to trade uh Jordan Clarkson. I was told I guess yesterday um, that, that Ryan Smith does not want to trade Jordan Clarkson. He does not. They, they, I confirmed yesterday um, that they have a first-round pick on the table for Jordan Clarkson, and they have turned it down. They want a first, a second, and probably another player in return, which is just an astronomical ask for yeah. a guy that's on the wrong side of 30 and, frankly, is, is, a, is a pretty one-dimensional player. He's an offensive guy, and that's about it. So I, I think... It's interesting this this conversation that comes with trade deadlines is how emotional are you willing to be over certain players? And I would tell you the best teams and the best franchises do not get emotional over their players. And yet we have this time and time again, whether it was Rudy, now that it's Jordan, like you get this emotional connection to players and it's bad for business. It is bad for business to give Rudy Gobert that contract extension. You did it anyway Mm -hmm. because he's your guy and you were emotional about it. And at the end of the day, I guess it didn't really hurt you that much other than you didn't win a championship. But this Jordan Clarkson thing is an absolute no-brainer. And yet you have an owner in Ryan Smith who's not inclined to move Jordan Clarkson. And you have all of this sentiment about, well, Jordan Clarkson's this one player who said he he likes playing in Utah. Uh What is that worth at the end of the day? Because it ain't worth a, a three to four year contract extension, almost no matter the money that you pay him. Yeah. Because he's going to be on the wrong side of thirty the rest of his career. He's going to be thirty one years old this summer. Yeah. Well, and I just I I the thing that is interesting to me is you know like Ryan's done a good job owning the team so far. I I think it's fair to say. I would agree. Like, I think Ryan is has had, like the Delta Center thing. You know, I I, I think overall the rebrand. You know, could have been better, could have been worse, but I think the rebrand overall, you know, is fine. Um, but I think when it comes to players in roster and basketball ops itself, I'm wondering, you know, what Ryan's going to be like because so far we've heard or, or we've kind of seen that he's not cold-blooded as an owner, meaning he's not the guy as an owner as we see in other teams around the league. Not every team, but just other teams. Other teams. Where, where you know, they're cold-blooded. They're like, all right, yeah, we got to ship this guy out. Contract says he's he's it's expiring or whatever, and 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 he's not going to pick up his player option, and we're not willing to pay him 20. So, yeah, let's go ahead and ship him out. That's I love the guy, but that's that's just the business of the league. And, and I don't know, like, I would love to be able to ask Ryan Smith, what do you see in Jordan Clarkson? What, what is it? Is it because the, the reality is with Jordan Clarkson? Yeah, he may be uh, an offensive minded player that can do some nice things for you. But let's be honest about Jordan Clarkson. He's a cultural fit here in Utah. That's why Ryan's emotional about it. I think Ryan Smith sees dollar signs in Jordan Clarkson. I think the, the, you know the the fashion, the pop culture, the 
you know, this is a guy that wears nail polish and earrings. Like this is a guy that walks around Salt Lake City with with braids. I mean, this is a this is a this is a guy that is at the center of black culture in this town. Really, if you if you think about it, Jordan Clarkson is I think probably the most influential black athlete in the state of Utah right now. Now that Don's gone, I think there's absolute value in that for Ryan Smith. I think he sees dollar signs. I think this Travis Scott thing, like yesterday, Jake and I were talking to a guy at the Jazz yesterday, and what did he say about the Travis Scott situation? That there was an avalanche of negative feedback to the Jazz about Travis Scott being here. You better check yourself. And yet Ryan Smith seems to just be tone deaf to that. I, I think that is intentional. I think Ryan Smith just isn't going to hear that. Ryan is a guy, as it was described to me, that makes a decision and then does not want feedback on it. He makes that decision and then we're going to roll with it. Now, And the decision-making process is collaborative, but once Ryan makes a decision, that's where he's going to go, regardless of what the feedback is. I think Ryan Smith wants to hang on to Jordan Clarkson because I do think that he, he crushes some stereotypes of, a, uh, of a, uh, a man of color that enjoys playing basketball in Utah. And that's something that that's rare. And I don't think, back to your point over the summer, it was not accidental that Jordan Clarkson was the face of the uni- uniform reveal. Yeah, that wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't some accident. That wasn't, like, that wasn't some coincidence. And, and, you know, setting aside my thoughts on the execution of that whole situation, it was not an accident that Jordan Clarkson was the face, you know, and I, and, and I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to send the message that I, we, the show doesn't like Ryan Smith. It's not a like or not, not like Ryan Smith. It is a, it is a business ops conversation, like business ops, meaning the Travis Scott situation is not great, right? No, the, call it, the, call it what it is. It's accountability. When you make decisions and you do things, and you don't communicate, and then nobody asks you about that, and you're not held accountable, you're going to continue to do things like hire Travis Scott to come and entertain Salt Lake City where he says he wants it to be over the top. And it's like, okay, well, over the top previously has meant people died at Travis Scott concerts, right? You got to ask him about that. But look at the lack of accountability. You ask about that, and have they said word one about it? No, they have not. And my guys at the Jazz said, you're not going to hear back from them. They're not going to reply to a question about Travis Scott. And hey, <coughs> when you can do that, I guess that's what you do, right? But the bottom line is, Jordan Clarkson is very much a part of that conversation. Uh-huh. Because he's a guy who is in the fashion and, and entertainment industries. He is a guy that's multicultural. His, his Certainly his, his, his fan base in the Philippines is significant. I can tell you what's the number one international market on this show? The Philippines. And there is only one reason for that because we talk a lot of Jordan Clarkson on this show. He is a real asset. He is a, first of all, he's a good dude. Like he's a good teammate. He's not a guy that you have to worry about causing problems. He's a good basketball player, but at the end of the day, he's also an asset. And I think you, you're going to, after the season, my belief is he becomes a diminishing asset. 
We've seen the best of Jordan Clarkson already. Yeah. You got to trade him. Yeah. Well, and I just, <laughs> the, the, the trouble I have with it is, you know, he's, you're going to, you're going to allow him to hit free agency. Yeah. And why you why, are, why would you do that? Like, like if, if Ryan Smith were to hear me say anything and I'm not saying he listens to our show, he probably doesn't. Right. But, but, but if he were to ever hear me say something, it would be, look at the contract. Look at the situation. Stop being a fanboy. Start being an owner. Start being a, hey, like, this is the situation. Like, it always has, it always has sort of surprised me in sports in general, right? Like, when owners come from Qualtrics or, like, their own company that they built from the ground up and they have the story and they have you know, that they're from Utah and like, they have this awesome thing. I love that about Ryan Smith, but my God, dude, like, how is it so difficult to take that same mentality and apply it to a damn basketball roster? You know what I mean? How is it so difficult to say, Hey, the numbers say and Jordan Clarkson out of his own mouth has said he's not opting in. Yeah. He said that it's not my opinion. It's not his opinion. It's not the Trib's opinion. It's Jordan Clarkson's opinion right like so this is not this is not difficult so then what's going to happen is you're not going to trade him right by all accounts that's what we've heard you're not wanting to trade him unless you meet, get some ridiculous uh, you know offer that meets what you want and so then in the summer we're going to cry poor about how oh nobody wants to be a jazz man everyone leaves the organization yeah. Like, no, dude, like not everybody leaves the organization. The reality is Buddy's getting probably 10 to $12 million underpaid on a very team-friendly deal, and he wants to get that money. And I respect that. As we've said a million times, this is probably his last big, hefty deal that he's going to have the opportunity oh, to get. Oh, this upcoming contract for Jordan Clarkson is the, is the golden parachute. Yeah. This is the last big deal of his career, and I think it's really significant. But again, how many, how many teams have, have been burned on those golden parachute deals, as I call them. You don't want to be the team that pays that deal. And I don't think that Jordan's decline is going to be massive or precipitous. I think what you're going to see is that Jordan Clarkson's going to get paid, and I think it's going to be very difficult to, um, you know, to... I, 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 what's the right way to say this? I think it's going to be very difficult for teams to get their $80 million value out of Jordan Clarkson because it father time is undefeated unless your name's LeBron James. Yeah. And I don't want to hear comments about or read comments today about how, you know, we're saying it's bad to keep him on the team. It, it, it's not like we're, we're not saying, Oh man, he's a bad player and it's a bad idea to keep him on the team. All I'm simply saying is I want this team to, to be a championship contender as soon as possible, right? Like, as soon as possible. Again, just like we said with the Travis Scott conversation, when the Jazz are good, when when they're when Jazz fans are engaged because the team's doing good and playing well and relevant, the, our show thrives. It behooves us for the team to do good. And so what I'm saying is that not that hey, Jordan's a bad guy or we don't I don't want him on the roster. No, what I'm saying is Jordan Clarkson has quite literally said I'm not opting into my player option at the end of this season. I'm going to hit free agency, and I want you guys to know that ahead of time so you guys can look at the trade market and get something out of me. He, like I would also say that I've confirmed through multiple channels that Jordan Clarkson said he wants to play for a contender this year. That he told the Jazz, if it's possible to get to a, a championship contender, 
I would be open to that. What that's is, where the that's where the Golden State conversation came from. What is that sound? What that sounds eerily similar to what Rudy Gobert said. It is. It is. And Rudy Gobert never demanded a trade. Rudy Gobert never did the him or me thing that was reported. What Rudy Gobert and what Jordan Clarkson have said, if there is an opportunity for me to play for a championship contender, I would appreciate the opportunity. Mike Conley has said that. I think I know for a fact now Jordan has said that. And I was told by his agent that Rudy Gobert said that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That doesn't mean that those guys don't want to be in, in Salt Lake City. What it means is, at the end of the day, legacies are defined by wins and losses. Yeah. And and if you never win a championship, Mike Conley, did you have the career that you could have had? You probably didn't. Facts. You probably didn't. And if you're Jordan Clarkson, how many chances do you think these guys get at championships? Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, all right. 627 uh, on the Monty Show. A uh, little breaking news this morning from Pete Thamel. We talked about this exact thing yesterday. Yeah. And I would encourage you to go back. Uh, the efforts of Oklahoma and Texas to leave the Big 12 a year early and join the SEC in 2024 have stalled, and it is unlikely to happen, according to Pete Thamel at ESPN. Uh, and this, I'm telling you, this Big 12 situation. I think Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, is absolutely crushing this. I think he is. I would not allow Texas and Oklahoma to leave early. I would not. It costs you money, frankly. Yeah. Um, it costs you viewers. I don't know why you would do that. Um, I think this is exactly the right thing to do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, just because they want to leave early doesn't mean that they should be able to leave early. You know, I mean, it's it's the reality of the situation is business. Like, again, you know, I feel like I'm just repeating myself over and over again this morning. Like, it's business. It's it's a it's it's a contract that says, hey, you're obligated to be in the Big 12 till a certain time and date. And until that point comes, you're going to be in the Big 12. And we're going to get that TV money. And we're going to get everything that comes with that. We're going to benefit. And then once you're gone, you're gone. It's fine. But you notice what your mark has done. And and again, for all my Pac-12 homers and all my Pac-12 people, I'd, I'd encourage you to take notice of this. He knows they're leaving, Right. Was that a jazz reference to take hey, note? Ryan Smith, bud, my guy, I love you. I really do. All sincerity. I love what you've done for the organization. Texas and Oklahoma, <clears throat> I mean Jordan Clarkson, <clears throat> are leaving. <laughs> and, and you know, you might want to get your value out of that situation. Yeah. Like, it's the same concept. And and so it's, it's, it's um, it, isn't it amazing how it works? Like, again, it, it's not. Dude, sports are very simple in a lot of ways. It's a piece of paper that says Jordan Clarkson's got a, a player option for for 23-24. Yeah. Okay. Is he gonna opt in? He said he's not. Great. Let's trade him. Oh, Texas and Oklahoma have a contract that say that they're leaving at X day, uh, at X time, and they're heading to the SEC and they want to leave early. Yeah, sorry guys. Sorry, not our problem. That's not what's best for us. Yeah, you signed a contract, yeah. you you signed a commitment. That's not what's best for the conference. So Pete Thamel at ESPN is reporting this morning that Oklahoma and Texas will not leave the Big 12 early uh, and that they will uh, be in the Big 12 for the next two years. That's a big, big deal, man. Yeah. That is a big, big deal um, because it it's a it's it's a lot more money. It, it and frankly, the issue, the issue is how would you make the Big 12, ESPN, and Fox whole if you evacuate to the SEC a year early? That's the biggest question. 
So this is a really interesting move, especially with all this talk about expansion and with the Pac-12 being where they are and, um, you know, trying to figure themselves out. And, and again, I think the longer we go on without a Pac-12 TV deal and the longer that we go on with Oregon, Washington, and the Arizona schools not on board with a streaming deal as their tier one with essentially, let's call it what it is, with Amazon Prime Sports as their their tier one distribution partner. So all the biggest games are on are on Amazon Prime Sports. Yeah. We were told directly by TV industry sources that Oklahoma or excuse me, Oregon, Washington and the Arizona schools are not on board with that. And it, it is going to be very interesting to see how all this plays out. And if the Big 12 does eventually invite Gonzaga, I think you are going to be in a very precarious position if you are the Pac-12. Gonzaga. And again, I'll just go back to what we said yesterday real quick. I think the Pac-12 needs to be all in on inviting San Diego State. I think it's the only lifeline they have. Uh, truly, if you are if you are trying to keep this conference together and you already have cracks in the, the facade and unity is a problem, if you don't add San Diego State, I don't see how you can placate Oregon and Washington. And if you don't add San Diego State, I don't know how you keep it. It's, it seems to me that Arizona State is one of the loudest dissenters in the Pac-10 right now, Pac-12. Yeah. I'm going to trip over that Whatever until it is what it we is. we want to call it the Pac-81.2. Uh, until, until the Pac-10 Pac has resolution, I don't see any way that they're going to have any kind of unity. And I don't see any way that if they don't add San Diego State, I think they are in real, real trouble here. Well, I think in, in at a minimum, I think it's like until the Pac-10 has vision forward. Hey, like what, what, what are we going to look like? I mean, what, because that's the problem here. You know, you look at again, and I know, you know, go back and listen yesterday. We've explained this a bunch of times, but when you have that, when you lose a market like Southern California and you're essentially pushed up into the Pacific Northwest, and you com you you com compile that with hey Oregon and Washington you know philosophically are not aligned on TV distribution meaning they're not aligned on streaming being your tier one level distribution okay well how do you move forward then what yeah. it, like, like you know what I mean and 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 we get comments all the time on the channel from the Pac-12 homers that'll be like oh well San Diego State has no business being a P5 and has no business being in our conference and we don't need them and we're the Pac-10 and it's like yeah you are but you don't have SC and UCLA anymore and that's a big difference you know from like the Pete Carroll days or from before that or you know what I mean like that's yeah. a big difference you don't have that ability to to create that revenue the same way and so then you you realize all right the big 10 took our our two major brands in the conference two of our major brands even though ucla hasn't been great at football in the big picture they're still a big time brand and so now ucla is like, a basketball brand let's yeah i mean it I mean, just is what it is yeah like they are they are but i think at least like like at least with UCLA you still have the option of football you know even though they're not great every single year you still have football as an option and so to me the point just is is that I don't even think it's just the streaming thing or it's just the fact that those two schools went to the Big Ten it's all of it combined that basically adds up to hey we aren't moving forward 
We're just not. What what direction are we going here? That's the problem. But I, I think, and here's a, the tweet from ESPN's Pete Thamel, Texas and Oklahoma will join the SEC in 2025 as parties couldn't come to terms amid that complex negotiation between the two schools, two networks, and the Big 12. And I I think I think we've been pretty pretty we've been pretty aware that this was a thing. Yeah. By the way, as we told you, this is the reason that the Big 12 schedule was delayed for so long because I think Texas and Oklahoma were on their way out the door. And I think that the Big 12 said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to take the money that we have coming to us and you're going to sit here and you're going to wait. And, and that's I, how I look at it. I think that's exactly what they should have done because it, it keeps stability in the league. It allows you at this point to be at, to be at 16 teams for two years and I think it allows you to be to have a little bit of, of time to get yourself into, I think, Gonzaga at a minimum. And then you got to ask yourself, okay, well, what's after Gonzaga? Because you're not just going to add basketball-only Gonzaga. I think you're going to go and you are probably going to get after. I would think San Diego State is a, is a, is a chip right now. Well, it's just without obvious. Question. Like, like, the only reason, like, and this is what I think Pac-12 people don't get. The, the people who say, oh, we're the Pac-12, we're the greatest thing ever. This is what I think that sect of college football fan doesn't get. It doesn't matter that the name is San Diego State. I don't care that it's San Diego State, with all due respect no. to my guy Glenn. Right? Like, I don't care that it's San Diego State. The reality is, geographically speaking, it's San Diego State. You have to have Southern California on some level in your conference. And, 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 and that's it. I mean, if it was... You know, the name literally, quite literally, doesn't matter. It's all about the fact that they're the last remaining opportunity in Southern California for your conference. That that that's quite literally it. And I think when we take a step back and we look at the 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 we look at this from a nationwide perspective, Brett Yormark has said time and time again, "Hey, we want to push west. We want to expand west. We want to grow our footprint west. We want to keep going that direction." So when when I look at what's happening in the pack and I look at what Prime's doing at Colorado and what Mark Harlan's not doing at Utah and what Oregon and Washington are doing and what they have said and the kind of money that, you know, Mr. Nike, Phil Knight has, it just adds up. It's a yeah. natural fit. And I'm a big believer that in college football specifically, that when things happen, usually it's because they're good fits. Typically, you don't get things that are like force, like, you know, square peg in a round hole type yeah. thing. That usually doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I this whole thing with the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 is fascinating, and I think it is one of the biggest stories in sports. And I think it is going to have a transformative impact on college football. Yes. Because if the Pac-12 disintegrates, and I don't know that it ever goes away totally as a league, but if it, if it shrinks... There's too much money on the table to be made by Oregon and Washington to sit there and just exist. I, I think that you have to go in a different direction. And again, everybody asking, well, why haven't we seen a, 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 a Pac-12 TV deal? Because you're not able to get, and we reported it, Yeah, it's $25 million a year per school right now. That's what they're at. Can you believe and, that? Just, just, I don't even cut in, but like, that's incredible. It, it is what it is, man, and it, it, it's not it's not something that you can exist on. Yeah, twenty five million dollars a year per school at two hundred fifty million dollars is a death sentence. It's not something that is sustainable. And if you are if if you are 
again, San Diego State, I think you now are a very valuable chip. But the problem is, and I know we've talked about this this week, but with this this new story, I think it's huge. San Diego State is in a position where they can come into the Pac-12 and say, we're not going to take a lesser share. We're not going to take a lesser share. That's the leverage that San Diego State is going to exert over the Big 12 and the Pac-12. They're going to say, hey, you want me to come to the Big 12? Okay, well, you know what? The Pac-12 is offering us a full share right now. Are you going to offer us a full share? That's where the rubber is going to meet the road, right? And if if you look at where, you know, San Diego State is, the issue is not the size of the market or the people that are watching TV. We were told directly by a TV source in the know that the issue is the programming that ABC and ESPN will not be able to offer their local affiliates yeah. is just as big as, as how big the market size is. Because if you're ABC, if you're if you're ABC seven in Los Angeles, yeah. you are not going to have USC football on your television. You, you are now no longer going to have UCLA football, UCLA basketball, USC football and basketball on your, on your TV station. <laughs> That's now going to your direct competitor at Channel 4 NBC in Los Angeles. That's yeah. a big, big deal. And I don't think anybody thought about that when the USC thing came down even before the 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 border regions met on ucla and that portion was solidified i don't think anyone thought about oh you it's not just that usc is is is, you know quote leaving for the big 10 right basically changing some paperwork and painting the field a different color no that's not just what it is yeah it's it's this whole dynamic of local impact that is really going to change the landscape and and that that was for me anyway that was kind of a mind-blowing perspective because I was like, wow, like like now you're talking about impacting local affiliates, like local marketplace, local community. When you get down to that level, like I think you have more impact than you think. And I also think that the other, the other thing that goes unspoken here is Pac-12 after dark is dead. Yeah. That's now Big Ten after dark because you get Peacock and NBC with that weekly late window that you and I both know is going to feature USC and UCLA. Yes, yes, yes. That that's absolutely a thing. Yeah. And and a lot of people point to Oregon and Washington as teams that could bolster Big Ten after dark. And I think it's brilliant. But one other thing before we get back to the Jazz here on the Monty Show, um, one other thing you better remember: Big Ten currently doesn't have a commissioner. Yeah. And there are a whole lot of cooks in the stew. In the Big Ten right now, who's going to lead the? Who is going to lead all of those people in the Big Ten? Because Kevin Warren's going to the Chicago Bears to be president, and he was a damn good commissioner. So who's going to take that role? Yeah, and I think Gene Smith at Ohio State is a name you should watch. And my guess is, if Gene Smith at Ohio State becomes a commissioner, it makes it a much steeper climb for Washington and Oregon to get into the Big Ten. Because I think that Gene Smith is one of those guys who wants to close ranks. We are what we are. Let's go and do what we do. 
And I don't think that he's that interested in, in competing with the SEC or becoming the biggest conference. I think it's a, I think it is a very, very different conversation. Do you see how damaging that is to, to brands like Oregon or brands like Washington? But and you know what it is? Instead of damaging, I think it's incredibly opportunistic. It creates an incredible opportunity for the Big 12. Yeah. Because Oregon and Washington, those are brands that want to go and own things. They don't want to go to a conference and just become a has-been. And if if it's the Pac-10 and you don't get San Diego State and you don't get Gonzaga, you're just existing. You are not thriving. You are just surviving. Yeah. And at that point, to me, Oregon and Washington are, why would they sign a grant of rights? Because, again, remember what the process is here. It isn't, hey, the conference says, okay, I'm going out to negotiation. Before I do that, everybody sign your grant of rights now. Hey, no, no. That's not the way this works. The conference goes and negotiates a TV deal. Then they bring that deal to the presidents. Hey, guys. And the presidents then sign their grant of rights and say, hey, yes, Oregon, Washington, and the Arizona schools, according to TV industry sources, are not willing to sign their grant of rights for seven years Yeah, with Amazon as their tier one distributor. Because it's garbage. I mean, it, it, and, and how could you blame them? How could you blame them, right? Because again, mm. you're, 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 and this is why I love this conversation. And I, and I know everyone probably wants to talk jazz, but I love this topic because you have this whole, this, this conversation about philosophy on, hey, where should our product be? I love this conversation because, you know, this whole, you know, this whole MLS Apple TV thing has been, has been a rager this week. You know, people saying, oh, well, you know, it's free to download the app and the first week is free. Yeah, but everybody does that. DirecTV does that. You know, everybody, you, you know, YouTube TV does that. Dude, I've watched, you, you want to know how resourceful I am? There, I have in the past when I'm, when I, when we were on a trip and I wanted to watch a certain game, I can't remember what it was. I got a YouTube TV membership for a day and a half that cost me nothing and then canceled it, right? That's what people do. That's what these big box brands are offering you. Hey, try us out. So this MLS thing on Apple TV is akin to the Pac-12 TV deal in the sense that Apple TV is, is not something I'm going to add to watch MLS. I'm just not doing it. And a lot of the complaint has been, Wait a minute. There's no local, like local broadcaster on ML, on on Apple TV for MLS. There, there, we're not hearing the names that we all know and love. The voice that that maybe I grew up in the state of Utah listening to Real on. I'm not going to hear that. No, the David. That David James will not be the voice of RSL on television is a huge problem. So I look at that and I say, okay, wait a minute. It's no surprise that the Pac-12 doesn't have a TV deal because all the presidents, you know, and we know it's Oregon and Washington, the Arizona school specifically, but the reality is every single president in that conference doesn't agree on philosophy. They don't agree, hey, TV's best or Amazon's best or this one thing is right. best. Because all you need here if you're George Klyovkov is for the conference to take a direction. Whether, like, George Klyovkov... It, at the end of the day, it doesn't give a damn if it's Amazon or TV or whatever. His job is to get everybody on the bus moving in the same direction. And right now, from what it seems and from what we've been told, they're not even close to that. And, and the window is closing here. That's why I'm saying that's why 
this whole Big Ten getting a new commissioner that wants to close ranks. That's why the Big yes. 12, it puts the Big 12 in such a strong position. And all the while, we all can't forget the SEC is just chilling and the ACC is still Clemson and everybody else. Yeah. So that's college football for yep. you. Yep. Blake Phillips gives us a $5 tip to say the Pac-12 offer uh, is slow death. How Arizona and U of U or any team have not jumped ship is beyond me. The optics do not look good uh, as deserters, but the writing is on the wall. I think, Blake, thank you for the $5 tip, yeah, by the thanks, way. thanks, man. I think there is no doubt in my mind that, you, that the University of Washington and the University of Oregon have tried to leave the conference. They wanted to join the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. But that door was closed with UCLA and USC I think there was a very small window in time for Oregon and Washington to join the Big Ten, and they chose not to do that. And now the, the window's closed. And I think it's going to take some time because there are nobody in the Big Ten wants to give up money to add those two schools. Yeah. And number one, that's number one. Number two, dude, I think when you look at, at where teams like Oregon and Washington are a fit – that's a very small place. Like there's there you're not going to the SEC. You're not going to the ACC. You're not I mean where where are you going to go? Yeah. Where are you going to go? Are can you really tell me that Seattle Washington is a fit in Stillwater Oklahoma? Can you really tell me that the the Big 12 in Dallas, Texas is a fit for Seattle Washington? Um that feels like an awkward fit philosophically. I don't and, and I know that everybody says, well it's all money in it. I think that you have to placate your donors and your alumnus. Yeah. And I think in the big in, in the Big Ten, you could have done that if you're Oregon and Washington. I don't believe you can do that in the Big Twelve. Yeah. And I know everybody wants, hey, Oregon and Washington, they're gonna bail. Put them in the Big Twelve. It's not it I don't believe that culturally they are a fit. Yeah. I just don't. I don't I don't buy that. Well, and I think, you know, if you remember the conversation we had I don't know, two months ago about about the BYU, you know, donor situation. Um, and we talked about Buddy who makes widgets and, you know, allowing his competitor to come in and that whole thing. Like donors are powerful. Donors, people who contribute to college football programs are powerful. You put names on buildings, you have sway and influence. So so this idea that 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 you know they're not being considered is asinine because again what really is the message being sent to like oregon and washington the money's drying up dude the money's drying up you're, you're sitting here talking about 25 million dollars a year at most in your current tv deal that you're that you're being asked to sign you're then being told that that basically the big Ten's not really an option now because kevin warren's not there anymore and you're they're you know trying to bring in a new commissioner and it's likely again not facts but likely you know that hey this new commissioner is going to want to close ranks you know the sec is not open for business and even if it was i don't think you're a fit because you're on the west coast and they're an east coast league basically and the acc is the acc nobody wants to go to the acc you want to talk about a grant of rights that has you locked in for life that thing has you locked in for life. I want to say the number. I have to go and look it up. It's it's some asinine it's number. Like, like $50 million yeah, to get out. Like you, you got to pay some ridiculous number to get out. So the reality is the Big 12 is your final hope. And the reality is Brett Yormark is driving the bus right now. Yeah, we'll see. It's a really interesting, interesting deal. And again, if you're just tuning in, uh, breaking news out of the Big 12, 
presented by our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. Find any of their five Utah locations in Logan, Leighton, Lehigh, St. George, and of course our good friends in Murray on State Street. Barbecue Pit Stop, the best barbecue equipment in the business. The breaking news uh, comes from Pete Thamel at ESPN, uh, who says Texas and Oklahoma will join the SEC in 2025 as parties couldn't come to terms amid a complex negotiation between two schools, two networks, and the Big 12. So for the next two seasons, Texas and Oklahoma are staying in the Big 12. And that is a big, big deal um, in the college football world. I think it is. I think this is a very important story. Uh, I would encourage you to to really pay close attention to that. Uh, Let's see. PLL Superfan Forever. I subscribe to Peach to watch Premier League soccer, but I won't be getting Apple TV for MLS. I think this this MLS yeah. deal yeah. is a big, big deal. It is not free, and I want people to understand this. I have spent a lot of time asking people about this. MLS soccer on Apple TV is not free. It is $14.99 a month or $99 a year, and the first week will be free, just like it is in Major League Baseball the NBA, the Sunday ticket. Yeah. MLS is going to give you a trial period for free. And then you will have to subscribe. And I think that it is going to be really interesting to see how many fans do not watch MLS soccer this year. Yeah. Because you're not probably going to lose the diehards. You're you're probably not going to lose the diehards. You're going to lose the casual. You're going to lose people like me who go to three matches a year at, at, at Rio Tinto. Uh-huh. Um, you're going to lose a guy like me who will tune into the second half of an RSL match with David James. And, uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy that and I'm going to watch that. And But I'm not paying a penny to watch MLS soccer. I'm just not. I am, I am a guy who already believes that if I'm not watching it, frankly, and Mrs. Monty and I have had this conversation on the show. If I'm not in a match, I'm not locked in. Yeah. But if you put Chelsea Football Club on my TV, I'm locked in. Why do you think that is? Because the game is better. The MLS, there's no way to get away from the fact that MLS soccer is minor league soccer. Uh It is minor league soccer. There's no other way to look at it. If you look at even, even Serie A, the Italian soccer league, or League One in France, or Bundesliga, whoever you want to point to. Yeah. Those leagues are all more quality soccer than MLS. Mm-hmm. It's slow. There's not things like first touches. Like when you make a long pass and a guy, the ball's coming into a guy and it hits his foot and bounces 10 feet away. That doesn't happen in the Premier League. Yeah. Because the player is better. The quality of the pass is better. The goalkeeping is better, which is a, is a huge deal. The game is just slower. Yeah. It is, and it's akin to basketball. Instead of running the ball up to the floor, you're just walking it up the floor. That's all you're doing is is slow plotting, methodical, not special football. And I'm not here for that. But if it's on TV and it's David James, that's that's Real Salt Lake to me. That's that's what I need to hear. If I'm not getting Dunny and James and like I don't listen to MLS on the radio, Bill Riley. With all due respect, I love the guy on football. I'm not listening to to Real on on the radio. Yeah, and I'm not paying fourteen ninety nine a month to watch it on TV. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because I actually enjoy 
going to to matches. But I, I only go to two or three a year. Well, but that's, you know, that's the minor league or the smaller town feel, right? Hey, like, it's a great time to go to a, a soccer match. There's just no denying it. It's a it's an awesome experience, but it's not something that you want to pay for. And and again, <laughs> it's this philosophy around around streaming and and does that actually work? And, and, and you know what else I think is going to happen? I'm glad you said that. You know what else is going to happen? I don't think you're going to travel announcers anymore. I think what you're going to see is you're going to have, because you don't have local guys, I'm going to be interested to see the quality of their broadcast as well. You don't have local guys. So what do you get? You get a dude in a studio who's calling a game for the Timbers from Florida. And I'm just not interested in that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. You miss the nuanceical stuff. Like, hey, Cam Rising's not going to be your starting quarterback at Washington State. Well, we didn't know that because our announcers weren't there. Right? Like, you, that's the stuff that happens. Yeah. And again, I'm just telling you, Real Salt Lake is David James to me. I don't get David James. I'm not watching Real. I'm just not. It, it, it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, and I'm not trying to be a dick about it. And I'm not, I, I'm I not think... trying to be Mr. Negative about it, but it is. MLS is all right. What's a compare? MLS is already G League basketball. Compared to the M, it, I think that's probably the best analogy that I can put in my mind. MLS compared to Premier League. Premier League's the NBA. MLS is the G League. I'm not paying for that. And if I don't get David James in Dunny, I'm not watching it. Mm -hmm. That's a huge. You, you took away the local flavor. Yeah. You took that away. Why am I going to pay attention to that? I'm not. I'm not. Football, 50-10 of the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. Um, we bring you the biggest stories in football. And this morning, I, I think it is I think it is this story with, with Texas and Oklahoma. Not leaving the Big 12 early for the next two seasons, 2023, uh, 24, and 2024. You're going to be there, man. You're, you're the 2023-2024 seasons. Oklahoma and Texas are going to be in the Big 12. And then they will go and join the SEC. Yeah. So that's a big story this morning. I also think this Joe Mixon story for Cincinnati, have you guys been following this? Joe Mixon has a warrant out for his arrest, the running back of the Bengals, because he pointed a gun at a person and told that person they should be popped in the face. Yeah. And he did this the day before the Bengals-Bills division playoff game. How is that even possible? No idea. How's that possible? January 21st, allegedly, Joe Mixon pointed a gun in somebody's face and said, you should be popped in the face, and then the next day played an NFL football game. Yeah. That's craziness. That's absolute craziness. There's a warrant out for Joe Nick, uh, Mixon, the NFL, uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals say they are aware and they are monitoring it. Joe Mixon's attorney says that he believes 100% these charges will be dropped. Yeah. To which I say I'm not necessarily on board with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it, it speaks to, you know, some guys in the NFL, they just, it's just not number one for them. They, they do whatever the hell they want. And again, we don't know the actual story. We don't know the circumstances. We haven't seen a video. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, a lot of this is just 
hearsay, hey, this is what happened type deal. Yeah. And I'm always cognizant of that when it comes to NFL issues because if, if there's no tape, it never happened, in my opinion, when it comes to the league. Like, you got to have tape or it didn't happen. And to me, you know, like, it, his attorney can say whatever the hell he wants about getting charges dropped. But the reality is there's a warrant out for your arrest, and I don't see that going anywhere. So, you know, I, I, I just hope that Joe Mixon gets this handled. Yep, I agree. Uh, all right, let's get some of your thoughts in here on on – I'm I'm open for Big Twelve. I am I'm absolutely open for Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, I, I in comments I think that's a big deal. And by the way, are you watching? Are you going to subscribe to to MLS Soccer on Apple TV? I think that is that's absolutely a conversation. Uh, let's see, Tanner Plummer, who's a member of the Shogrum. MLS is the best league in the U.S., but yes, compared to the rest of the world, it's basically a G League. It's tough for, for me to yeah. watch, man. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Severe says, I can Premier League game for $5 with Paramount Plus. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, Greg Romano says, by the way, despite last night, Utah is going to the tournament. The Big 12 doesn't need Gonzaga when it can have both Utah basketball and football. Uh, Utah is not interested in joining the Big 12. They've made that painfully obvious. They have said that repeatedly. So you can't pine over a school that doesn't want to be there. Uh, Tanner says, David, uh, I'm going to miss David James and Dunny. Me too. I agree with that. Brad Butler says, uh, Dunseth will be on Apple TV broadcast. He will. He will. Okay, cool. Um, NY Monty fan says, no one knows enough about soccer in the U.S. to listen to it on the radio. I agree. I agree. I, I just don't know when does MLS become a thing. Because it's not a thing. I, I got yeah. news for you. It's not a thing. And this is the NHL. The NHL left ESPN years ago. And nobody knew where to find them. Nobody knows where the NHL network is. Nobody knew where to find NHL hockey on TV. Nobody knew. And by the way, based on the ratings, nobody knows it's on ESPN and TNT either. Because their ratings are... Terrible. Yeah, I mean, the TNT thing to me was an awkward fit for hockey. ESPN hockey is a natural fit. I, I think hockey on ESPN is... is it a, feels right. It's a throwback. It's an absolute fit. Like, I, And again, you know, the trouble is, and this plays right into the, the, the Pac-12 Amazon streaming thing, you know, this MLS thing. Like, the trouble is, is that there are too many... There are more people in the world who are just casual sports fans who will watch it if they come upon it versus the person who's hunting for it, you know? And, and yes. so to me, like with hockey, this market doesn't have an NHL team and everyone's pining over it and everyone thought, oh, well, Ryan Smith is going to bring one to the Delta Center, you know, after they did that one game with the Kings or whatever it was, I think, you know, a couple months ago. Like, you know, everyone thought, oh, this is a sign of things to come. And, and the problem for, you know, MLS, NHL is your second tier. People don't have to work hard to find the NFL. By, by the way, how many people even knew that game was at Vivint Arena? Yeah, I didn't. I happened upon it. How many people even knew that game was in town? That's and I'm the, an NHL fan. That's the crazy thing. Not crazy is Papa Murphy's Pizza. Uh, I can. T it's Friday night, and that means Papa Murphy's Pizza yeah. in my house. Uh, we'll get the regular crust barbecue sauce. You know the traditional regular crust with the barbecue sauce. I'm probably still gonna stick and stay extra mushroom and onion. That's my groove right now. I'm trying to eat less meat, and I love that extra mushroom and onion. And of course, I'm going to eat meat with the marinara meatball because I'm telling you, the marinara meatball, all Italian beef meatballs, dude, 
If you go to Papa Murphy's and you don't get the marinara meatball, you're missing out. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do meatballs and marinara. Papa Murphy's does meatballs? Oh, oh, I think you mean I do the meatballs and marinara? And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Oh. Well, we do it with savory ground beef covered, covered in tang tangy marinara. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. And don't forget the meatballs. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Yeah, and when you do order, download the uh, Papa Murphy's mobile app. I think it's the easiest way to, to order Papa Murphy's pizza because it's so simple. Um, you can order it ahead of time, which, again, I love it. You order, you order your stuff at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. You can put it for a 5.30 pickup, and you can count on it being on the to-go rack at 5.30. In which I absolutely love, and yes. I appreciate that. Papa Murphy's easy to deal with. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase at $25 or more at Papa Murphy's. <sighs> what a first hour. Yeah. Uh, James Knight says, it, it's a first for the show. Only one comment read out in the first hour. And, and I'm sorry about that. We had, you know, we were we were in the jazz trade stuff, and then this this news with Oklahoma and Texas broke. And I think it's a huge story. Is it is it lost on anybody? Because it's certainly not lost on me. The TV game and sports is changing dramatically right before our eyes. Yeah, like uh, this MLS thing. And I know it's only MLS, and I know that MLS is a is not a thing in the U.S. I get it, but it is a professional sport, and they are all in on streaming. And I, again, and I know I get crushed on Twitter every time I say this. Uh-huh. I fart on Twitter and I get crushed on right, Twitter because that's right. what Twitter is. It is, yes. Um, but I believe the Pac-12 should go all in. I would put all of my football games on on Amazon. I would. And I know that that seems crazy and people are going to say that not enough people will watch. Are enough people watching now? You don't have a TV deal now. You, re- I mean, honestly, you don't. Yeah. And yeah, it's cool. You get Pac-12 after dark. Totally get that. But I'm telling you, go all in with Amazon right now. Yeah. Do it. Because if you do that, you are going to be the trendsetter. You are going to be the, the, the first to really have the best technology in streaming. Because what Amazon's told you by their actions with the NFL, every week in the NFL, they got better. Their quality went up. The Amazon has done one thing really well on their on their NFL stuff. They haven't made the same mistake twice. And I think when you look at Amazon as a tech company, they're going to get it right. They generally do not do things half-assed. So I would tell you, if you're the Pac-10, go all in on Amazon yeah. and go all in on streaming because what does that do? It delivers you right to their phone because what is Amazon doing? We've talked yes. about it on the show. They are developing an Amazon Prime Sports app for all of their sports programming. So you're going to be able to download an app. You're going to be able to say, oh, man, dude, look at uh, Oregon and Washington are in the fourth quarter. And you're going to be able to put it on an app on your phone and watch it just like that. Yep. I'm telling you, it is the right thing to do if you're the Pac-12 because you're going to be on the edge of, of, of technology. You are in the heart of Silicon Valley. You are going to be able to, to it, in the long run, I think you're going to make more money because you went all in on streaming. I think you are going to be a more widely viewed product because you are on streaming and you are partnered with Amazon. You're going to bite the bullet in the near term and you are going to make more money in the, the long term. Well, and one of these platforms is going to become the king, right? One of these platforms like like 
I would tell you YouTube TV is the king right now, but one of these platforms is going to become the unanimous go-to spot for, I, But see, you know. Jake, I just don't think that Amazon is going to let you down. Well. I, mean, I look at the the all this talk about like Hulu and Netflix. To hell with that. Yeah. You've got Amazon who's already doing business with the NFL, who's already got the king of sports in the National Football League. They're not going to let you down because who loses if... Amazon lets the Pac-12 down. Who loses? Amazon does. Because Amazon won't be able to make money. If it's a crappy product, they won't be able to sell it. Right. You won't have people watching. But I don't believe in saying, oh, man, what if? I believe in saying, hey, what if we go to Amazon and we become trendsetters? And what if we go to Amazon and we make a truckload of money? Why is the Pac-10, 12, whatever the F we're going to call it, so unwilling unwilling to take risks when you're in the hole forget it you're not in the hole you fell in the pot bro yeah that's stupid like you owe comcast 50 million dollars what do you possibly have to lose what do you have to lose that's my question yeah and by the way if you go to amazon and you say we're all in you get it all they will pay more for that because right now if our sources are correct and the guys we've talked to Again, I know you guys hate when we say it, but we've been pretty nails on this on this Pac-12 TV story, right? I, I mean, just about everybody confirms the stuff we talk about. Right. If you're at $25 million on a seven-year deal... You're the weakest of the week. You're irrelevant. You're irrelevant. Yeah. Let's say, oh my God, let's say, Monty, you're a hack. You don't know what you're talking about. Trust me, bro. Okay, let's say you get to $30 million. You're not irrelevant, but you're the lowest paid conference in all of college athletics. Yeah. What do you have to lose? And you're not getting a 30 million, not the way it's currently constructed, by the way. But if you go all in on Amazon, what do you have to lose? Yeah. I think you have nothing to lose. Yeah. I truly believe you have nothing to lose. San Diego State, what's up, Glenn? Good morning. I'm not comfortable with San Diego State to the pack. The Big 12 is where I want the university to align. And I think a lot of alumnus are with you on that. Yeah. I think a lot of people want San Diego State in the Big 12 because, again, the Big 12, call me crazy, the Big 12 has trumped the Pac-10 time and time and time again. This, everybody was like, oh, God, they panicked and went out to market early and they made less money. The Big 12, in my opinion, is going to make more money in the long term. And why is that? Because they're going to add more membership. Yeah. They're going to get more money from their TV partners, regardless of the level of that membership. Gonzaga basketball is a perfect example. Fox is going to pay more for the, the Big 12 basketball package, their percentage of it, if you get Gonzaga basketball. Well, I mean, what do the Big 12 really they? do? What did they really do? Like, yeah, they went out to market early. Yeah, they got a TV deal done. But what did they really do? They, they cut the legs out from the Pac-12 yeah. to get a TV deal. They tightened the stranglehold around that neck of the big of the uh, the Pac. That's what they did. You you went out. You had what what nobody talks about with this. And then we'll read your comments. I know you guys want comments, but what what nobody talks about is Brett Yormark had the foresight, the the vision ahead to say, okay, let me let me let me pause and look at the landscape in college football. Brett Yormark knew six months ago Kevin Warren was going to leave the Big Ten. He knew. You're telling me he didn't know. He knew. So what did he say? Well, he said, okay, I need to bring, I need, I need to go around to all the schools in form relationships with all these, these, 
these ADs and presidents and all these people that run these schools. Because what I need them to do is believe in me as a commissioner. I need them to believe that when I go out and try to get their grant of rights sold, that I'm going to go out and find them a good deal. And so what I'm going to do is instead of trying to go and get a Brinks truck, I'm going to go and get the mid-level deal that brings us security and safety and reliability while the pack figures out what the hell it's going to do. And by the way, inside of that TV deal, I'm going to add four more schools. And yeah, we're going to stick it to Texas and Oklahoma because when I went around to all those schools, I know that all the other schools are pissed about that and they're not happy about what Texas and Oklahoma tried to do, right? Because Texas, the reality is Texas and Oklahoma did not execute on the level that USC and UCLA executed on, right? That much is very clear because if they did, they'd already be in the SEC. So that's why I'm saying like Brett Yormark is just outperforming the, the pack in basically every way. And so, you know, Glenn, San Diego State, yeah, you should want to go to the Big 12. Absolutely you should, right? Like, you want to be a part of the Big 12 when it turns into the Big 20, when it turns into, you know, a 20-team conference that has major pull and is everything you want it to be. So that's why I say to me, this is, this is not difficult to see. I mean, the Big 12 simply is respecting its position in college football, understanding that, hey, the Big 10 and the SEC are big brothers, but that yeah. doesn't mean we can't be successful. We'll see, man. You know, it, it's, it is, uh, I think it's a really interesting situation. I do. Teddy Wayman says, I think Utah trade for Trey Young. I don't see a lot of people have asked about this as well. We were talking about jazz trades earlier. I, I, I don't see that Trey Young is even close to a fit for the jazz. Is Trey Young better than Donovan Mitchell? I don't think he is. I, I don't even like, think he's at like system wide, like the guy. There's a reason he's a problem in Atlanta. I mean, trying to get multiple coaches fired, like not fitting in great with DeJounte Murray is really surprising. Really surprising. Trey Young is a guy that has to be a volume shooter. And I want somebody that's willing to share the basketball with Laurie Markinen. That that's just me. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't see Trey Young as a championship player. I, I I don't. I really don't. That but again. That's just me. Uh, Mike Maple says, "Can't say. Can I just say that I love the fact you guys don't read scripts for your sponsors? I appreciate the fact everything you say is from experience. It makes it come off like something I actually want." Well, dude, I, yeah, because we, we, I was at Quick Quack Car Wash yesterday afternoon. Yeah, um, I we use barbecue pit stop all the time. Yep, we got our grill from there, our, our smoker from there. If you think, if you think for one second, I'm not trying to work out. A little love from Barbecue Pit Stop on that new that new Traeger. <laughs> you think, bro, I'm trying. Bro, the new Ironwood. The new Ironwood XL is, is lit. Ooh, it looks really good. Yeah, dude. That I'm looks fantastic. It. I'm about it. And of course, this show is presented by our good friends at The Advocates, the best injury attorneys in the business, theadvocates.com. Uh, congratulations to our friends at The Advocates. They just opened their office in Phoenix, Arizona. So all of our Arizona listeners, get after it, theadvocates.com. Um, and I, I will again say, I know that the weather this year has been crazy. If you've been in an accident, if you've had a slip and fall, you know, like, and I know that, you know, like the other day when, I, when Mrs. Monty and I were driving and there's somebody on a motorcycle 
God, it's like 30 something degrees out and you're riding a motorcycle, which, hey, more power to you, dude. But if you're on a motorcycle, if you're in your car and, and somebody moves that, moves over, drifts into your lane, because how often does that happen? But All every the day, time. that's not your fault, man. You didn't deserve to be in an accident, but you do deserve an advocate, somebody that will fight for you. And the best part about the advocates, I say this all the time, is that they're not reaching into your pocket just to talk to you. The consultation's always free. There are no retainers. In fact, you don't pay the advocates until they win your case at theadvocates.com. Defer your medical bills. They're going to help you do that. So you can just concentrate on getting back to your life and getting back to the best form of yourself. And God forbid that you've, you've been injured. They're going to give you that time you need to recover that's why you don't trust your insurance company. Go to theadvocates.com. Uh, okay, so if you're just tuning in this morning here on the Monty Show, obviously the biggest stories are, um, I think this Big 12 deal, Pete Thamel, ESPN College Football uh, Insider reporting this morning uh, that Oklahoma and Texas will join the SEC in 2025. There had been an effort to get Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC uh, to start the 2024 season, which means this would be their only year with the expanded conference. That's not now going to happen. So for yeah. the next two seasons, Oklahoma and Texas will be in the Big 12. They will start uh, SEC play uh, in 2025. This has ramifications much further and deeper uh, than I think we probably even realize at this moment. And I think a lot of it is this expansion talk, whether that's Gonzaga basketball, whether that's San Diego State, what does this do to the Pac-10? Yeah. I think it has far-reaching results that we don't know of yet. And I think when you look at the the TV opportunity, the revenue opportunities to have Oklahoma and Texas in the league, you know, I I think this is very good for the Big 12. And I think this is exactly the right move. I I, I think this is a critical moment in time. Every day it feels like almost, and certainly if not every day, every week you get another indicator that the, the Pac-10 has to move. Yeah, The Pac-10's got to operate. The Pac-10's got to do something. And yet they're not unified. So they're unable. They're un, un, unwilling, if you will, as a group of <laughs> 10 to move forward. Because there's been a lot of talk this week, and we told you again that Oregon, Washington, and the Arizona schools are not on board with a, a tier one streaming deal. Yeah. And I think that is that is significant um, because what what that's telling you is is that these presidents in the in the Pac 10, the 10 remaining schools, are not unified. And I think Arizona State and I think certainly Washington are two of the most influential and two of the loudest dissenters when it comes to streaming as a tier one option. All of your biggest games, all of your biggest moments on stream. I think that's a problem because Washington, I think Washington is probably the most influential. Uh, their president at Washington, she is one of the most influential voices in the conference. I think Arizona State, I mean, they just are not in lockstep. Yeah. Whereas Brett Yormark came in and what did he do immediately? He went around and traveled to all of the schools, hey guys. met all of the presidents and athletic directors, got on board with their needs, understood. And from what I understand, Brett Yormark did a really good job of traveling around and just listening. Yeah. And listening to understand what those schools needed. And I think that's why you have such a unified voice in the Big 12, because they're all behind him. So when he goes to them and says, hey, 
Folks, we really need to add Gonzaga basketball. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more ability to move. They're a lot more mobile than the 10 remaining schools in the Pac-10. Well, and they trust him. They trust him. Which yeah. I also don't believe that the Pac schools trust George Klyovkov. I yeah. don't believe that. I, I would agree with that. Uh, PLL Superfan Forever. What's up? Hello. Says, I was hoping that we could uh, early to the SEC, but I don't hate the fact that we will wait until 2025, which would be the second year starting for Arch Manning, and that is the best for Texas. So you're are just, I just want to clarify. So you're a Texas fan then, I'm assuming? And I'm thinking, I, I would guess you think you're just going to be on cruise control for the next two years, because I don't think that's going to happen. I think Texas in a, is in a very good spot. They had an amazing recruiting class. I think it's make or break for Sark right now at Texas. I think their defense is going to be unbelievable with the way they recruited. And actually, I think their metrics last year showed their defense was better than a lot of people thought. Um, I think their defensive coaching staff is amazing. I think their linebacker play is going to be amazing. I think Texas is going to be a real force in this conference. But if you think this is going to be an easy road, I think you're crazy. Yeah. And I think Venables at Oklahoma has a real difficult task in front of them. They were not good last year. So I don't think this is going to be this is going to be a, a giveaway at all. Kurt Meyer says good morning from Tijuana. Okay, good morning. Don't drink the water, bro. Uh, Tyler P says Arizona schools should worry about putting uh, out football teams that aren't dumpster fires before they worry about TV deals. See, I, I again, <laughs> Arizona football is not a dumpster fire. They're not. I mean, what what Fish has done at Arizona has been pretty remarkable. Now he's still, you know, I'm, I'm, he's not getting off the hook for me as far as being like they've made progress. They, they have, can win but... any game they play now, and it, and historically the last five years you haven't been able to say that. Yeah, last year Arizona, I think, was good enough and well coached enough, coached well enough to win every game they played in. I think that's been something you haven't been able to say whether that was Sumlin or Rich Rod or whoever you want to point to. I don't think you could have said that. Yeah. I look at Arizona State. I don't know how you can't be excited about Arizona State if you're a Sun Devil fan. Like what they're doing and the way that they flipped that program around from firing Herm like to where they are today. I mean, just their, do they not? By the way, A, tell me the Pac-12 doesn't have the best quarterbacks in the, in the country because they do. And then tell me that Arizona State doesn't have the deepest quarterback room in the conference. Good luck. Good luck. If you're a starting quarterback or you're trying to be the starter at Arizona State, you're going to have to win an incredible battle to get that done. You're going to have to win an incredible Watch Buddy battle. Buddy from BYU win that job. What's his face? I Jacob Conover. Yeah, Conover. Oh, that, yeah. would be, that would be frustrating for BYU fans, I think. I think that would be incredibly frustrating. Uh, Sevier says, so what is the Utes' plan of action? Are they in a luxury suite while, building, uh, while the building is on fire? That is what it feels like. I mean, that's, a, that's, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like, I guess kind of the analogy. Like it's more, I don't believe that they're in a luxury suite while the building's on fire. I more believe that the building is already burned down and they have a tent in the parking lot and they're just in denial. That's what I believe. Like, I, I don't think they have much of a choice. <laughs> I don't know about building integrity or whatever that is. <laughs> what Utah's doing is hoping. That's what Utah's doing. Utah's hoping they're not being proactive. They're not, according to Mark Harlan, because again, I know we've, we've shown you this, this thing about a hundred times, but according to Mark Harlan, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. Yeah. And we can keep going back and forth. And 
and we can keep talking about TV viewership in the Pac-10 and the Pac-12 as it's currently constructed, Mark Harlan says we're not leaving. And if you are a Utah fan and you are hoping to stay in the Pac-10, okay. I just don't know what you're looking at. You are not taking steps to secure your future financially. Yeah. That's as simple as it can be. You're not taking steps to make sure that your athletic department is financially secure for the next generation of athletes coming up to the hill. So get your facts straight. I don't know how else to say it because I don't think, does anybody wonder if BYU is going to be able to fully fund their athletic department, no problem, and make money and grow their footprint? I don't think anybody wonders about yeah, that. Yeah, and that's another side of it too. I mean, when you're getting, you know, again, and they haven't signed the grant of rights or whatever, you know, to do the Amazon thing, but 25 million a year just isn't enough. And you feel like, what you feel like, and, and where this comes to roost is, hey, we need, Huntsman needs a renovation. Or, like, when you need money for facilities, but you're in a hole financially, yeah, and you're making half of what your competitors are making, maybe Huntsman doesn't get that renovation. Maybe we're tarping off seats because we're not paying basketball coaches what we should be paying them. Yeah. We're not paying football coaches what we should be paying them. We're not, you know, like it's these little things that are big things. Yeah. And people don't think about that. Like, hey, you know, we're probably not making as much money as we could be making with Under Armour. You know, now we're not making as much money as we could be making with our TV deal. Um, like, uh, We're not being seen. So all of a sudden now our recruiting classes are a lot more difficult to build. You know, that's what's happening. Yeah. And again, I know Ute fan hates us for saying you're already undervalued as a football property. You're already undervalued. You're a mediocre basketball program, which is inexplicable to me. I don't get it. Why you can't at least win basketball games, but it is what it is. Yeah. But you look at where you're at as a football program. Nobody knows you're alive. Nobody respects Kyle Whittingham to the level that he has earned. Nobody cares that you've won back-to-back -back conference championships. Nobody cares that you've been to the Rose Bowl two years in a row. Nobody cares. And now that whole setup's changing, so you're not going to get a third year in a row. The Rose Bowl's not nearly as meaningful to the Pac-12 as it, as it once was because it's not like the game anymore. Like it, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, wow. Kurt Myers says, down in Tijuana getting medical treatments, the new Affordable Health Care Act, Okay. Dude, I would... Bro, I would... Uh, I'd be careful with that. I think that's HIPAA. Uh, T. Lawrence Gragston. Good morning from Cincinnati. Pac-10 is toast. If I'm San Diego State and the Zags, I'm looking to join the Big 12. Yeah, dude. Preach. Lawrence, Lawrence, with you, bro. Preach. Yep. Uh, Brandon Butler says, I don't think the Utes have an offer. I don't think there's any doubt if Brett Yormark called Mark Harlan today. Are you still telling me, Mark Harlan, that you wouldn't listen? Come on, man. Come on. I, I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think there's any doubt. Ron Nolan. Hey, Roki Teppa. I love Finland. My puppy is from Finland. He's a finky. Finnish is tough language. My dog speaks American now. Thank God. Okay. You know. That's fine. Anyway, I think that's a huge story. Let's get back to the Utah Jazz, though. Let's uh, talk some jazz hoops on the Monty Show. Presented by our good friends at Quick Quack Car Wash. I was just there yesterday in the district. Man, yes. 
Car's looking fresh. You're welcome. Uh, got a Muddy Duck car wash yesterday. Do you know what a Muddy Duck is? Oh, it's awesome. So you know I'm a pass holder at, at Quick Quack. I actually pay out of my own pocket because I love the car wash that much. Um, I get their best wash. It's 20 bucks a month for me. Um, and I just say to them, hey, can I get a Muddy Duck? And what that means is you get a ton of extra water. Car looks great coming out. And then once you go through the wash, I think we were... I think we were in and out of the wash. I timed it in less than five minutes, which was awesome. Uh, three cars ahead of us when we rolled up. In and out in five minutes. Homie sprays the front of the car while he's wearing a button-down shirt, a, a tie, and a jacket. Yeah. So they dress nice. They're super friendly. Um, sprays the front of the car, sprays the back of the car. You go through the wash. I love the fact the kids love it because you get all the different colors. I love that the dryers there are super powerful. Oh, man. Good experience, then you pull around. It was so busy that the vacuums were almost all full, but immediately had a big... You know what I like about the vacuums at Quick Quack? The stalls to use the vacuums are big. Yes. And there's a vacuum on each side with, right, with two hoses. So you get the detail one that does your cup holders between your seats, all that stuff, and then you get the big one for the rugs. Backed into the spot, vacuumed out my trunk, vacuumed yeah. out my, my mats... Got free towels. They, the bin, they were so busy. The bin was out of towels. I said, hey, man, can I get a couple of towels? The guy walked in then hand-delivered them to me. Yep. Didn't just dump a bunch more. And you know what I thought was amazing? Those towels were actually damp. Do you know why that matters? Because that's how you dry your car. So what I do is you go and get the towels. I clean my mirrors. I clean all my windows. And then you know how when you come out of a car wash, there's water drops on your car. You can wash those off. And it doesn't leave your car all streaked because they give you damp towels already. And they're microfiber towels, which is low-key, you know, really good. Which is huge. Like, there's nothing not to like about Quick Quack, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, go check them out. Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Uh, James Knight says, did you guys catch the Bucks versus Clips game? Fun game to watch. Clips look dangerous. They do. Yeah. Giannis scores 50 and damn near killed him with that turnover late in the game. <laughs> Like, I don't know what he was looking at. If you didn't see it, they're up um, by a point, I think, at that point. Giannis has a massive game. For some reason, he wants to dribble it up. He goes to throw it to Pat Connaughton. And, I mean, it must have been three feet behind him. Threw it right into the front <coughs> row. I, I just was – you don't see Giannis make those mistakes a lot. Yeah. Um, but, obviously, the game of the night in the NBA last night was the Donovan Mitchell situation. Yeah. Um, and if you guys didn't see it, I, I, I don't know how long we're going to have to deal with Dylan Brooks on this stuff. Like, Dylan Brooks, and I don't know what you guys think. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Is Memphis one of the most unlikable teams in the NBA? Which is hard to say because John Morant's a hell of a basketball player. Yeah. But all of this stuff with Desmond Bain and calling LeBron a scrub and the They're dirty plays. Brother, the, the, that's what they are. This thing last night, if you didn't see it, watch this thing last night. Yeah. You look at this play, and I'm going to take this comment off the screen because I want you to see this fully. Um, you look at this display by Dylan Brooks. Watch the arm here. Boom. Oh. I mean, he goes right at Donnie's bag. And watch. I'm going to play it again. Just concentrate on Dylan Brooks's head. He clearly sees Donovan Mitchell there. Right there, he looks at him. Boom, hits him in the bag. Yeah. Like, so he clearly sees him there. And then Donovan Mitchell absolutely ragdolls him to the floor. Yeah. I mean, Donnie pretty much beat his ass. Yeah. 
And then after the game, I think Donnie savaged him again. That's just who he is. You know, we've seen it a we've seen it a bunch in this league with him. Um, him and I have had our personal battles for years. Um, quite frankly, I've been busting his ass for years. Um, playoffs, regular season. Um, you know, in the one game he does a high job on me today. You know, he decides to do something like that, and you know, that's, there's no place in that in the game. And you know, you got to protect yourself at the end of the day. But um, this has been for years um, with me with, with me with other guys in the league and we, you all see it you know it's not something that this is this isn't new um, and you know tonight was just the end of it but it's tough when you can't guard somebody and can't do something with somebody you gotta resort to that Ooh, yeah love it love it so while you're hitting the like button right here on the Monty show to help the channel grow we appreciate that thanks for being here um, I thought Donovan Mitchell crushed it last night yeah. and again I think Memphis is one of the most unlikable teams in the NBA. And I, I, I don't know I don't know how you get away from the fact that this is who Dylan Brooks has become. And I agree with what Don said there. He's got this reputation of being an elite defender. And I think he's very good. Yeah. This downgrades him. And it's Dennis Rodman kicking the cameraman in the balls. Like, you, what is the point of this if you're Dylan Brooks? The point is you're frustrated. That's what this is. It's pure frustration. Yeah, this is some Patrick Beverly level crap. And and I think it is. That I think what Dylan Brooks has turned himself into, unfortunately, is a bigger version of Pat Bev, where where Dylan Brooks yeah. is this big, strong guy who who loves being physical, loves playing the game, like he loves doing that stuff. But the reality of the situation is, and what no one's talking about, is Steven Adams, they miss him. They absolutely I miss agree. Steven Adams in the middle. And, and I think that Dylan Brooks tries to compensate for that. And, and I love, look, I, I don't have an issue with Dylan Brooks as a dude per se, but I don't like that we get stuff like this out of him. This is very Grayson Allen, Patrick Beverly, you know, classic dirty player behavior. And to me, I love how Don handled it. He sent a message and I love that he wasn't scared to get ejected doing it. Like if you're going to, you know, bag slap me, then I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need to, you know, step up, and I'm gonna need to get in your face about it. And and yeah, it, I'm not gonna lie. It was surprising to see Donovan Mitchell pretty much throw Buddy to the ground, it, like he just did. And and you know, Dylan Brooks is, I don't know, they're about the same height or so. Maybe Dylan's a touch taller, but Dylan is like this big, thick, like you know, guy. He just looks stronger, and he's not, and it's kind of incredible. And to me, I look at Don, and I say, hey, man, I love this. I wish I'd have seen a little bit more of this in the past, but the reality is we're seeing it now. And I think this has been, uh, you know, sort of a, a a point of emphasis for Don, a point of, of growth for Don. As the leader of a team, you got to do this sometimes. And I think Donovan Mitchell uh, clearly has no problem getting in someone's face he's got no problem standing up for his teammates standing up for himself and doing what needs to be done and i think as a leader you know that's that is your responsibility and by the way you know we don't we we can't play the full highlight of the whole wrestling match because you know youtube won't let us but when you look at the full highlight you see all his teammates just go to war for don which i love to see they got in the middle of that thing 
and like didn't let up until Don was kind of walked off the floor and it kind of, you know, started to chill out. But in the heat of that thing, mm. like they were in it. And I was really impressed by that because that tells me they, they do believe in Don and, and, and they back him. And I think that's a huge, a huge deal when you're trying to win a championship. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt Donovan Mitchell did what had to be done. And I agree with him. The NBA has got to take action on Dylan Brooks. I just... I'm fed up with it. I'm over it. It's 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 at, we're at a point now where you just can't keep ignoring it. You know, like it, it it's happened so often. Yeah, the dirty play from Dylan Brooks has happened just too often, and I think it is. I mean, what choice did Donovan Mitchell have there? And I think Don probably gets suspended. I don't know if Dylan Brooks gets suspended or not. Honestly, I I would love to see him get suspended two games. Yeah, I think that's appropriate. But I just don't think he will. I, that's just my opinion. I don't. I don't think he will. Uh, or he will get suspended. James Knight says, uh, Jake, any grown ass man that could hit in the pills is going to react. Exactly right. Yeah, but he you touch my bag, listen, bro. I'm listen, coming for that ass. Donovan Mitchell could have easily been square up guy like Jordan Clarkson was. He could have easily been, you know, hold me back, bro, guy. You know, like we've seen so many guys be. And he's not that. He he got up right away and went right up to Dylan Brooks. And this is not an accident. Him hitting Don in the bulls is not an accident. You could see he again, and I'll play it for you. Yeah. I want you to I want you to watch this. I want you to watch his arm here. And I want you to understand that what Dylan Brooks did here is not an accident. Watch his head. Right there, he's looking up at Donovan. He knows right where Donovan is. By the way, if he didn't know where Donovan is, do you think he'd have hit the boys right on the target? Look where that fist goes. Boom. Right into them nuts. He was and there's no excuse. on target. Like, and if play it one more time, there's no excuse. It's not as though he his momentum was taking him. It's a clear effort to roll over that way instead of just getting up. And, and by the way, look what happens when he tries to get up. Two hands on the floor. Watch. Hits him in the nuts. You're not trying to get up with one arm up. He's trying to get up with two hands on the floor. When you're getting up, you're not flailing your arm over yeah. like that. Get out of here. Yeah. That was not that was not yeah. accidental. Yeah. That was not accidental. I just I don't buy it. I just think they are an incredibly unlikable team in Memphis. I I, I just I can't do it anymore. And I, I want to like them, and I just don't think you can. Teddy Wayman, who's a member of the program, says, Man, I love Don. Yeah, dude. I miss Donovan Mitchell in Salt Lake City. Program. I miss watching him every night. I miss going to games and seeing him play. And it, it's a it's a real shame he's not here. Uh, Brent Burnett, of course, in defense of Brooks. There is no defense of Brooks. Tyler P. says, I love how tough Memphis is, but Brooks takes stuff too far. But now it's Jaron Jackson, Ch Statch, cheating maybe maybe not it's again Desmond Bain talking junk to LeBron James yeah like who are you who are you you're ha nobody hasn't won anything hasn't isn't you're like nobody your player you are nobody Desmond Bain who are you to be calling LeBron James old like who he's the best player in the NBA this year so far yeah, who are you donkey who are you, dude? Yeah. Dylan Brooks has been a, a, a hack his entire career. Yeah. And you got that the frustrating part is I don't like watching them play, but I love watching John Morant play. Yeah. I love watching John Morant try to like absolutely put Rudy Gobert in a body bag. Can you do something for me? I love that, dude. But I cannot stand. I cannot stand like 
Dylan Brooks and Shannon Sharp. How Dylan Brooks of you? How Memphis Grizzlies of you? Yes. Whether No matter who you blame in that situation, the entire team going over <laughs> and getting into a brawl with Shannon Sharp? Really? That's who you are. They are classic short guy syndrome, little brother syndrome. They are classic. I think you're right. I got to, you know, have this loud ass bark and no bite. Like, that's just who they are. And and it's no slight on Jaw. I think the only slight that you could put on Jaw is that he's got to lead the team a little better. I mean, he just not. <laughs> I just like there's a difference between, hey, we need to be an edgy, gritty, physical team and being, hey, we need to bag slap the other team. There's a difference between intentionally, unintentionally breaking Devin Booker's nose and playing hard-nosed defense in your face. Yeah. Like, I agree with you. I think it's a great example. Patrick Beverly breaking people's hands. Breaking breaking Chris Paul's hands two years ago. I don't want that guy on my team. I don't want Dylan Brooks on my team. This is my biggest thing with Draymond Green. I don't want all the technical fouls on my team. I'm not here for that. Yeah. I'm not here for dirty basketball. I love hard hard picks. I like big physical rebounding. I'm all here for that. I'm not here for hitting a guy in the nuts. I'm not. And if I'm Memphis, if I'm Memphis, I I am if I was on that team, I'd be saying, "Hey, I don't appreciate that, dude. I don't I don't like that. That's not who we are. We're a hard-nosed grinding basketball team. We don't hit guys in the balls intentionally." Yeah. And by the way, if you did it unintentionally, you're out of control, and we don't like that either. Yeah. Because he got ejected, as did Don, but you get ejected for that. And the sad thing is, Dylan Brooks is a really good defender who doesn't need to do that. And it's because Donovan Mitchell was beating him yeah. that he did that. Yeah. I Don agree. said as much, 100%. I agree 100%. Brett Robbins says, Dylan Brooks is like six, six inches taller than who? I don't know what... Dylan Brooks is not six inches taller than Donovan Mitchell, dude. Oh, I think it's close to the. He's a bigger player than Donovan Mitchell. There's what is Donovan Mitchell? Five ten. He's five inches, four inches taller. Donovan Mitchell is. He's not six one. You go to the Cavs page and he's listed as six one. Donovan Mitchell's not six one. I'm. I am. I. I hate to break it to you. I believe he's five ten. Well, whatever the How hell tall he is, is Dylan dude. Brooks. Dylan Brooks is listed at six six. Yeah, but. so he's he is he's yeah he is substantially bigger than Don, but Don yeah. is Don is more muscular than Dylan Brooks is. Yeah. He ragdolled his ass to the floor. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I, I mean, I just don't even think it's a yeah. Next comment. He ragdolled his comment. ass to the floor. Yeah. Like yeah. it is. Yeah. R R R R R R says, well, NAW made 27 points against the Nuggets last month m- month. Watches hook passes. There is something to work with. Barely an NBA player. I think NAW is just remarkably inconsistent. I think he's fabulously talented. Yeah. He's just as inconsistent. Uh, Brett Robbins says, Grayson Allen putting that knowledge out in practice. Truth. <laughs> he ain't wrong. Uh, Mapes, what's up? Good morning. I would have no problem with any player defending him himself after a low blow. No I'll problem at all. No problem at all. Uh, Lopes Van Gabe, good morning, my friend. Thanks for being here. Donovan with the best Trent Williams impersonation. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dude, that must have felt good. Oh, yeah. To ragdoll Dylan Brooks like that, dude. Pancake well, that's what, block. That, see, that's what guys like Dylan Brooks don't understand. The best players in the world want you to take it there. Yeah. They want you to open the door to, to physical, I'm not going to say violence, but, you know, like, uh, 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 you know, a 
a brawl, I guess. I don't know, like a, a mini fight. Like they want they want you to do that because then they can go in, no no rules attached, and yes. do their thing. Yes, I I absolutely agree, a hundred percent. Yeah, I just don't know how. Again, not to be a jerk about it, how the Memphis Grizzlies become an unlikable basketball team. Well, yeah, they went from sweetheart story to you know, hey, we're the guys that are that we're the we're the tough kid on the block trying you know trying to win a championship. Yeah, I think it is I think it is really crazy to me. Um I think it's really crazy to me how you I'm trying to be delicate. When you're a dirty player and I don't like calling guys dirty players. I I actually don't think Patrick Beverly's a dirty player. I think Dylan Brooks is a dirty player. Grayson Allen's a dirty player. Grayson Allen's you don't, a, you don't a dirty do what player. what you did to Alex Caruso. All jokes aside on the show, you don't do what you did to Alex Caruso and then call yourself a but clean player. Furthermore, dude. you don't get moved out of Memphis because they don't like your style of play and then go to Milwaukee and do the exact same thing that got you sent out of Memphis. Yeah. And oh, that's exactly shit. what he did. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy to me. Um, I don't know. I'm probably making too much of it. I'm probably making too much of it. I get it. Next comment. Uh, Eric in Raleigh. Good morning, my friend. He says, weird that Dylan Brooks is so like Chris Paul. Next comment. What does that mean? Next comment. I yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, Mapes says, the trainer tackling Brooks before he really got beat down was my favorite oh, part. Oh, yeah, dude. He dude. went full spear mode on him, dude. Buddy came in Bill Goldberg style and just dropped <laughs> Dylan Brooks. on your ass. That was a great so, job wait, by wait. that guy. Let me get this right. You got thrown down by mini me, Donovan Mitchell. Then you get up and Donovan Mitchell's trainer came in and dropped you. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. What happened is the Memphis Grizzlies trainer came beelining into Dylan Brooks because, the, and I don't know how many people know this or care about it. They work on that. They actually have a plan in place for brawls like that. And your job is, the, you, and it's usually trainers, they also have security personnel. Your job is to make sure Dylan Brooks doesn't punch anybody in the face. That is your entire job. I'm for real. To make sure he does not get a 50-game suspension. I'm a fucking unit. And Dylan Brooks, and what does that tell you? They know Dylan Brooks is a hothead. They know he is a problem. Because you had a guy whose single, singular job was to drive his shoulder into Dylan Brooks' rib cage, and that's exactly what he did. So you better check and yourself. I thought he, I thought he, dude, I thought he saved Dylan Brooks there because I do think Dylan was going to get that ass whooped. Yeah. Swooped. McKinley Cutler, good morning, my friend. Brooks got punked last night by Donovan. He did. Yeah. He absolutely did. Brett Robbins says, LeBron James, best player this year. Do you even watch basketball? We don't. We're casuals. Yeah, we don't watch jazz games. We don't watch... We don't get anything right on the show. And, Never. Uh, you know. Never. Uh, we're, we're YouTube hacks. Yeah, who, trust me, bro. Yeah, we we're, have trust me, bro sources. And, you know, we, we only have 10,000 subs now. So, you know, there's no way that we could have 200,000 views a month or, you know, any of the stats nah. that, that we have. I mean, nah. that's just not possible. Hell no, bro. So, you know. No, you know. I mean, and we hate know. Jordan Clarkson. And, you know, we hate Ryan Smith. You and know. Yeah. We, 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 you know, that's just kind of the brand on the show, yep. you know. So. so let me get this right. In in January, LeBron James averaged 33 points and shot 50% from the floor and shot only 78% from the line and only 31% from three and still averaged 34 points a game, 33.8. And he's like 86 years old. 
I don't know what, like, is it just that you hate the Lakers? He's 38 flipping years old, averaging on the season 30 points a game. Hey, Claw. And you're going to tell me 30 points, eight and a half rebounds, seven dimes, and he's shooting 51% from the floor on the season. Yeah, nah, he sucks. Holy cow. He's not, like, tell me who's a better player in the NBA this year than LeBron James, who has no help, by the way. Yeah. No help whatsoever. Glad that Anthony Davis finally decided to show up last night. Thanks. He has no help whatsoever. Thanks. None. Oh, he's... He last know. time I checked... Come on, bro. Last time I checked... Bro. Bron doesn't have Middleton and Drew Holiday bro. to work with. Hey, bro. Hey, last time I checked... <laughs> Braun doesn't have Kyrie Irving on his team. And the funny thing is, you know what the funny thing is about this? And this is the this is the part that I love. Is that you look at LeBron and I think the best part of this whole argument is Luka Doncic has become incredibly reliant on the three ball. Yep. Incredibly reliant. And My what and what happened to Chaboy cuz he's your favorite player Luka? Right. Uh, what happened My to Luka last night? Luca found out what happens when you f around and you find out. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> he tried to dunk on some dudes last night, and he got facialized. What's up, big bro? Has a bruised heel, or excuse Aww. me, a heel contusion. Aww. Did you guys see the the Luca? Touch me there. That sir is my no no square. Okay, yeah, Luca. Okay, okay. That's you should have played that during the Donovan conversation. Um, Luka Doncic last night tries to go up and dunk on some dudes, uh-huh. and that did not work out well yeah. against New Orleans. They met him at the apex of that jump, and he awkwardly landed on his his leg. Yeah. Too bad for him. So and sad. He, he's become, and listen, Luka, I think, is having a, a really big year. Uh-huh. I think he's having a really big year. But you you look at his you look at his numbers. And you just start to understand that, yeah, cool. He's put, Luka's been, it's either him or LeBron, the best players in the league. Luka in January, 31 points. So less than LeBron. Shooting 31% from three and really struggling. And he's become reliant on that. He's shooting seven threes a game. Yeah. He's shooting seven. (coughs) Dude, I said (coughs) Luka's shooting seven threes a game. Yeah, dude. And struggling at that. He has become a guy that's reliant on threes. And he has to shoot them in volume to even shoot 30% from three. LeBron James has been the best player in the league this year. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, Tanner Plummer, good morning, says, but James is Draymond as, uh, but James is Draymond as dirty as Brooks. Listen, and I know we're probably going to go round and round on this because James Knight said, wow, Monty, I thought Draymond was your boy. No, James. Dude, you're such a casual on Draymond, bro. This is the thing about Draymond. I do, I'm not a Draymond Green fan. Yeah. But how do you not respect the guy? He's the reason that they've won championships. He is the straw that stirred the drink in the prime of the 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 freaking Dub Nation Warriors. Like he's like so incredibly important. Oh, Dylan Brooks is the re- 
Oh. And that's the thing about oh. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is not vital to what they do. Without Draymond Green, they don't win championships at Golden State. Yeah. Do you understand the guy uh, is still one of the elite defenders? He was the best defender in the NBA in their prime. Like, yeah. He was. Hey, and Draymond, guard the other team's best player. Take point him out. guard or center. Go, go guard the guy's best player. Yeah. And the other thing is his offense is what really made them tick because there was nobody that was – got to go back to like Magic Johnson. For a guy that can pull the ball off the rim and be at half court before you even realize he rebounded the ball, how many one-kick passes did he make that led to Steph Curry threes? Yeah. Like, it's remarkable. Yeah. So, no, I don't like Draymond Green. I don't like the punch Jordan Poole in the face guy. But boy, I sure do respect his game. I don't Bro. respect Dylan Brooks's game. What? I just still can't believe Draymond did that, dude. Yeah. Like, I, I just—he walked up the dude and dropped him. Like, yeah. How? Uh, Chris, Christopher Leo. Good morning, Chris. Dylan Brooks is one of the most, if not the most, petty guys in the league. He yes. is. Yes. He totally is. I agree with that 100%. I agree also that you should consider joining our membership here on the show for ten bucks a month. You get exclusive access uh, to trade conversations, inside information. You also get exclusive videos. You get access to our merch that's never coming. Uh, you get access Bowling. when it does happen. Um, you know, the Chinese spy balloon's probably going to get shot down before our merch happens. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait to talk about that. But anyway, the point <laughs> is uh, you get all kinds of stuff, but what you're getting is a community. The community of guys, that Instagram chat is remarkable. Um, generally you're going to get our trade information long before anybody else does, um, depending on, you know, when you're on and when you're not, but the Instagram group for members only has been remarkable. And it is just something that on a daily nightly basis, it's really enjoyable. I love being part of that group. We all are in there. We're all chatting. Tenny's putting pictures of his rubber ducky, which is not a euphemism <laughs> for ducky. anything. You're the one. You know, we're all exchanging <laughs> pictures on things like food, cars, dogs, Teddy being naked in a hot tub or a cold tub with his rubber ducky on display. Yeah. You know, stuff like yeah. that. And then Tanner, of course, is going to video call the entire group 11 times a day. All these fun things, you know. Tanner, and that's nine ninety nine. have you figured not call the whole group yet? By the way, Tanner went and had Mo Betta's. Yes, he did. More betters. More betters. Yeah. And he put a picture of his more betters in I there. I know. Listen, I know that more betters is no Chuckarama, but, you know, it'll do. The Terry at, you know, more betters is pretty good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, but please make sure uh, if you're not a member of the show, please consider joining. It's 10 bucks a month. You can cancel at any time. But my guess is you're going to see it's, it's just a phenomenal group of dudes. So make sure you click the link in the uh, comment section. Uh, or go ahead and just click the join button on your mobile phone. Uh, Jazz Kitball is back with us this so, morning. Dude. Uh, the Vando trade hung up. Portland wanted Vando, Malik, Talon, and a pick. See, and this is the issue with trades. Like, and I've asked about Nasir Little forever. Back to the, you know, the beat writer Roco conversations. And <laughs> Port Portland and the Jazz have an ongoing conversation they have a really good relationship between the two organizations yeah I don't believe that this trade was ever really close I, I just don't Vanderbilt in my mind is not a great fit the issue in Portland is is going back to to 
Jeremy Grant and this whole situation where you you have a guy who probably is not going to be there. But Dame is not getting younger. He's getting older, and he's playing at a really high level. Portland's on that tipping point. They're another one of these teams where you don't know if they're a buyer or a seller. And most people believe that they're a buyer, but can you get Grant to stay there? Yeah. That's the single biggest question. If he stays there, I think they're they play at a high level. Yeah. I think if they go and get what they what they need is they need somebody that's not going to obstruct the flow of that offense. Because they have good size, they have good three-point shooting. I just don't think that that trade was as close as everybody's making it out to be. I, yeah. I, I truly do not. I think one of the bigger issues in Portland is they don't want to trade Josh Hart. And I think when you look at him as a guy, I think it's very difficult, especially with where Portland is in the standings currently. Yeah. Um, they're a fringe playoff team, a game under 500. They're tied with New Orleans in 10th. Um, they're a game up on the Lakers. And I think when you look at Portland and you, you just don't have on a nightly basis, you don't have a cohesive offense and Dame really is the, the straw there. And you start looking at a guy like, like, you know, Simons and you're asking yourself, okay, what does this team really need? You need a guy to come in off the bench and contribute. You do not get like Eubanks. I like Eubanks. Eubanks is a guy I know the Jazz like, and that's a guy, but I don't think Portland would trade him. Yeah. Why would Portland <laughs> move him? Like, this is the problem with, with again, Miami. Miami doesn't have the goods. This is the prop. This is why Cleveland is trying to find a first round pick to move to the Jazz for Beasley and for Clarkson and for. Yes. They have needs, but Cleveland doesn't own their own first-round picks, right? Because they can't trade 24. They traded the Jazz 25. They're trying to find a 2025 first-round pick because I don't believe that there's going to be very many 23 first-round picks traded right now. Yeah, I think Phoenix is obviously the one that you look at. But you, you, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a first-round pick, and Danny Ainge probably isn't doing a deal of significance without a first-round pick. Yeah. So all of that to say, Portland's in this awkward situation where you're playing a guy like Josh Hart 32 minutes and he's not scoring, but you don't want to trade that guy. Somehow. So what are you willing to what are you willing um, to do here? Um, the answer is I don't know. Because I think Josh Hart's a hell of a player, but I don't know that he's a great fit in their offense. And Nasir Little, why 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 is he a player of consequence? Because he's slightly, in my opinion, Nasir Little is slightly better than Jared Vanderbilt. Because you're not, it's not like you're getting exponentially better production out of Nasir Little yeah. than Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, they're 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 in my opinion, the only thing that Nasir Little does better than Jared Vanderbilt is he shoots the three well but he's not a volume three-point shooter. He's a onesie, twosie guy. He very rarely is going to be three, four, five, six threes a game. Yeah. That's not who that guy is. Yeah. So he shoots the three better. Well, and that's who teams want, though. The, you know, the five, six, seven guy. I think that's probably true. Yeah. I think that's probably true. But in my opinion, again, I would love to see him be a better rebounder. Everybody with Nasir Little always talks about, oh, that wingspan is as long as your mom's thong. Like, okay, great. Then why is he averaging two rebounds a night? <laughs> 
He's got this unbelievable athleticism. He's got this unbelievable... And remember, this is a guy that plays the three, right? But he's not a volume three-point shooter. He's not a great rebounder, and he's not a great scorer <coughs> at the three position. In Utah, where are you going to play him? Because you're not going to play him at the three. Is he just going to be a depth three for you then? Okay, I can understand that. You need to address that. But he's also just... He's, he's 6'5", 200 pounds. He doesn't have tremendous size at the three or the four. Yeah. He's not going to be a four. You know, I just, I, I think that it, I think it's just one of those things where I don't think he's a great fit in my opinion. Again, it's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't think he's a great fit. You know, like, I, and look, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all if Portland and, and the Jazz make a deal. I mean, they made the Joe Ingles deal like it, they have a good line of communication. What are you going to do? With, like in, in your scenario, the Jazz want Nasir and Nurk. I have not heard one time that they want Nurkic. Not one time. He does not help you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, who are your sources, all. bro? Well, but I'm being serious. <laughs> like everybody throws out these trade scenarios and they're like, oh, they want Yosef Nurkic. And to do what? To do what? Because you're not doing anything that is going to impede you with Walker Kessler. You're going to pay Nurk to not start? Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Like, be reasonable with that. I think Kessler stuff. has way more top end than Nurk has. We know what Nurk is. But you're not, it, it, it's not a question. Nurkic is not coming here to, to be a backup. Yeah. Like, it, and I'd have to look at their cap. I don't know Portland's salary cap all that well. Um, but you, you and I both know that a guy like Nurk is not gonna is not gonna be happy being a backup. Yeah. Especially to a rookie. And he's making fifteen point six million dollars <coughs> on a huge con get the fuck out. Like nah. that's what's crazy to me. They don't want did you look at this before you, you put that in the chat? This is the problem in, in the NBA these days. Everybody's got an idea of what a trade should look like. With all due respect, Jasketball, I don't know you at all. With all due respect, do you really think Nurk, they're going to pay Nurk six, almost $16 bucks to be a backup? No. When he's got a long-term deal? Nurkic, if I remember right, signed an extension two, year, two years ago? Four-year, $70 million extension, fully guaranteed. And he signed through 25-26? No chance, bro. Nah. No chance. It just doesn't fit with what they're doing. No, Like, who thinks that's a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious right now? Come on. This hour of the show is presented by our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza because, of course, we missed football at 50, uh, 10 of the hour every hour. Um <laughs> Make sure you get to uh, Papa Murphy's. It's Friday night, which in the Monte Crisib. Yeah. That's my house. Uh, Casa de Monte means that we are absolutely on the uh, Papa Murphy's grind tonight. Going to get that large traditional crust barbecue sauce. And I'm telling you, the herb mix, get it. Do it. Put, Do the, it. put, the, put the herb mix on your pizza. Herb. I'm a guy that goes mozzarella, onion mix, extra mozzarella. mushrooms. Marinara meatballs, I'm telling you. I want it. But oh, by the way, St. Valentine's Day is coming. Maybe you ought to get that heart baker. This Valentine's Day, get a heart baker pizza from Papa Murphy's. You complete us. And we mean that literally. With Take and Bake, we prepare it, you make it yours. 
So make us yours today. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. The Monty Show is presented by The Advocates. UtahAdvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. Um, ooh, Chris Haynes tweeting this morning. And I actually think Chris Haynes is the one of the best NBA insiders. Uh, with the Lakers looking for another trade before the deadline, conversations uh, were had with Utah centered on Russell Westbrook. Holy Jesus! Your man is a god! You can't make oh this up! God, dude. What did we say yesterday? Dude, we literally talked about this yesterday. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. <laughs> what did I tell you yesterday? That the Jazz and the Lakers have had conversations about Russell Westbrook. What's up, big bro? And I don't think it's that far out of the realm because it's a $47 million expiring contract. And now, again, not to tell you I told you so, yeah. MFers, but you know, Big Dog told you. Anyway. <clears throat> and his name is John C. I'm telling you, the best part about being me is that everybody's like, oh, yeah, who are your sources? Yeah, trust your sources me, are trust, trust me, bro. Me, bro. <laughs> and then no matter what, no matter what, I'll be like, hey, you know, the, the Lakers and the Jazz, you know, they're having conversations about Russell Westbrook and they've had them. And I, you know, my biggest concern is I don't know that the Lakers and the Jazz or that the Jazz will make a trade with the Lakers to benefit the Lakers. And the Lakers don't want to move on from those picks. You know, and, you know there's some hesitation. But the Jazz and the Lakers have had conversations about Russell Westbrook. The Jazz had loved the expiring contract. Hey, guys. You know. And then, like, a lot of times it's shams a week later. Usually it's about four to five days later. Somebody would be like, oh, hey, the Lakers and the Jazz have had conversations, and we're just not sure that the, the Jazz want to make a trade with the Lakers. It, it's almost inevitable. You know, not only not only am I good looking, and right, I am. Right, right. I am extra good looking. Your, right. your wives love me. Right. Daddy. <laughs> okay. Dude, that reinvigorated me today. Yeah. Uh, Portland star Damian Lillard intends to participate in the three-point contest at All-Star Weekend. Oh, good for him. Um, you know, I think this is really... This Russell was... And I'll tell you what I heard. The biggest issue is Jordan Clarkson is who the Lakers absolutely want. And the Lakers know full well that the Jazz are hard-capped. And for those of you who don't know, the Jazz cannot, for any reason, at any time this season, exceed the luxury tax threshold. They are hard-capped. So they cannot take money in return. So the money that goes out has to match dollar for dollar. And I can tell you right now, the two names, and, and really, I think the two names I would watch in a Laker trade are Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. And I think that those two guys, what are they? What are they to the Lakers? They're two expiring contracts because Mike is only partially guaranteed. Jordan Clarkson's going to opt out. He's only making, what is it, $14 million. He's going to opt out. And so if you look at those two deals, 
dude. You're really close to making a Westbrook trade. And then, hey, we're just going to put a number and we're going to put a guy back into that deal to make that trade work. Is that Talon Horton Tucker going back? Well, guess what Talon Horton Tucker's on? It's on a player option. Yeah. 10 million bucks. Deal done. The Lakers, to make that deal, will have to give up their two first-round picks to the Lakers or to the Jazz to get that done. 100%. They will have to give that up. You can't give up Conley and Clarkson without those picks. But if you get Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, and I would even go as far as to say if you get Mike Conley and Malik Beasley, if the Jazz really are in on this thing, because, again, we were told by sources at the Jazz yesterday that Ryan Smith does not want to trade Jordan Clarkson. He does not. Never. But if you're the, the Utah Jazz and you can get Russell Westbrook. And what that means is he's never going to play for you. But his contract is going to come off your books after this season. Yeah. It's $47 million. Yeah. Right? And you're going to get two future first-round picks. Why would you not do that? Yeah. Because what does that do? That gives you financial flexibility. Yep. That gives you all of that cap space. And it allows you, what it really allows you to do, is it allows you to, hey, if you want to re-sign Jordan in the summer, you can, out, you can outbid anybody for that. That's what it allows you to do. But it also allows you to go and get the superstar of your choice because you have cap space now. Yeah. That, it makes a ton of sense. And I know that Jazz fans always get pissed off about this. But I'm telling you, it makes a ton of sense for the Lakers and the Jazz to make trades. But I, I, I again... I go back to this Boyan Bogdanovich deal <laughs> with Saban Lee and Kelly Olynyk, and, and a essentially, rack of basketballs. Yeah, essentially, Detroit, not essentially, Detroit sent Saban Lee's full contract and the cash for the contract. The Jazz cut him, right? And you, you basically traded Boyan Bogdanovich for Kelly Olynyk. Bojan. Who now, Boyan Bogdanovich... One of the most in-demand players on the NBA market, and the Pistons aren't going to trade him, but would easily get a first-round pick. Yeah. So you traded, you essentially chose Kelly Olynyk over a first-round pick, so that you could screw the Lakers. And then you're going to do a deal with them anyway. Excellent. I think it's very interesting, Excellent, man, Danny. I think it is. It is. It's a very interesting question, and I also think that when you you look at Russ. I think Russ is rebuilding his image right now as a sixth man. So he's got value. I think for the Jazz, he'll never wear the uniform. No, he, he that's, that's a buyout cap space deal. No, that's a send his ass home deal. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're they, gonna yeah. I don't I don't even think one of the things that I've been I've heard about the Jazz is they are spiteful at times. Which is interesting. Cause that's what the Boyan deal was. And if you trade for Russ and you just send him home, which is to say he won't be playing for you, so you just send him home, that's not buying him out. Because if you buy Russ out, he immediately becomes a free agent, can go anywhere he wants. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's two different things. It is two different things. Yeah, and true. I think they would just send him home. I think they would send him home. Why, though? Why would you, like... Because I think they I agree don't. He can't suit up for the team. That's not even a question. It, but, but what I don't understand is Russell Westbrook has nothing to do with this as a as a dude. Am I like what? Am I just missing something here? Like why would you be spiteful to Russ? I because I think Russell Westbrook is one of the most unlikable players in the NBA. Yeah, 
And he's a Laker, and it's a deal with the Lakers. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What would you say about the job that Danny Ainge has done? Yeah. I mean, I think Danny's done a, a good job. I think Danny is is this whole thing about Danny being spiteful or the Jazz being spiteful, like I, I feel like it's one of those situations where, you know, it, at times it's gonna cost them. I mean, I, I, I look at this, you know, this Chris Haynes report about Westbrook, you know, and I, I think about, you know, this conversation we're having, you know, the Boyan thing and how that plays into Westbrook and the Jazz being spiteful. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really like the idea of of Danny just sending him home and like slowly bleeding him out of this contract. I, I just, that doesn't, that doesn't really add up for me. I don't, I don't like how that sort of reflects on the way they go about doing business, but I don't know that they would do that. My opinion would be that you would just buy him out and cut him loose. I don't know why, like there's just no point to it. So, you know, what, what do I think of the job he's done? I mean, I think that Danny is, has done a pretty solid job so far, but I, but as I've said the last couple of weeks, I think there's a lot on the line here. And I think not only for the Jazz, but for the league. I, I think Danny Ainge has obviously and continually been right in the middle of, of the trade market. You know, again, with the Gobert and Donnie deals, he basically just said, like, bam, like, I'm right here in the middle of this thing. You have to deal with me if you want something done. And, you know, I go back to, you guys all remember, you know, several months ago now, the Kevin Durant saga and, you know, they that Kevin Durant wanted to leave and then they had to put that whole thing back together. But remember what we had talked about at that time, you know, should Danny go after Kevin Durant? And I said, yeah, I mean, you make the call, but I don't think Katie would ever play here. But what did that situation provide Danny the opportunity to do? Well, once again, be right in the middle of things because Danny's got guys and, you know, they needed to make the money work and, there was opportunity there. And now what do we hear off of those conversations? Well, Jovich in Miami, and we've got, you know, maybe some Cleveland Jordan Clarkson traction. So, like, I think Danny's done a great job. I, I think overall he's done a great job. But when I hear things like, hey, Danny and, and the Jazz, you know, sometimes could be spiteful, I struggle with that concept. There's no need to be spiteful. I understand the Boyan deal on some level. Okay, maybe you wanted to, to get after the Lakers a little bit. Okay. But I don't. I just don't understand this whole concept of yeah. Let's 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 let Russ just sit on the couch. Let's bleed him. Let's bleed him out of this contract slowly but surely. And I guess that'll make us feel better. I I I don't like how that makes the Jazz look. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. And and to me, it, it if you get what you need out of the deal, fine. Like I'm not going to criticize the deal if you were to get two first round picks out of that and. You know that you know then put Colin Sexton in a position to develop. Like, great, that's all fine and dandy. But I I will never come off of. There's no reason to do that to Russell Westbrook. I would agree with that, but that stuff happens all the time. Why is Jay Crowder not with the Suns? Why? Well, because is... Jay Crowder's been an absolute malcontent with the Suns. <laughs> that's why Jay Crowder's not with the Suns. I don't disagree with that, but if you're going to do that to Jay Crowder, you're going to do that to Russ. I mean, it happens all the time, and I just. I know from talking to people around the NBA, Russell Westbrook's one of the most unpopular players in the league. He just, he is not somebody, Russ is a different personality. He has, he just has personality traits that rub people the wrong way. He is not a popular guy in your locker room. He is not a great team player. And he is somebody that has historically been difficult for teams to deal with. So, but for the Jazz though, right? Mm -hmm. none of that matters to the Jazz, in my opinion, because he's never going to suit up for you. I would agree you. with that. I could like, see them buying him out. Yeah. But it would not surprise me if they just sent him home. 
Yeah, I'm, I, I, I I'm wouldn't be surprised saying, by but, that. But this conversation, like for me anyway, like yeah, I, it wouldn't be surprising if they just sent him home. But what all all I'm saying here is the Jazz don't have a dog in the fight with Russell Westbrook. You don't have a clear, clean-cut reason why you would send him home and force him not to play. There's, there's well, no... I, I also think that there you have to have a willingness to write him a check for the rest of what he's owed. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he's probably in the high teens owed on salary if he was $47 million. You know, so you're, you figure half the season is what? $23.5 million? Yeah. And you're over halfway home. My guess is he's probably owed somewhere around $20 million. Are you, Ryan Smith, want to cut a guy a $20 million check? Okay, you negotiate it down. You want to cut a guy a $15 million check? Because Russ ain't taking, my guess is, not from Utah, he's not taking a discount. So I just think it's a willingness to cut him a check because that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But, but that Chris Haynes tweet... Um, and I probably I can I can clip it for you. Uh, that that Chris Haynes tweet I think is is very telling because now he's the third guy, you know that has. And if I could use my computer properly, he's the third guy that that between the two people I've talked to now, Chris Haynes becomes the third guy that I've heard that from. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not at all surprising. Obviously, we told you about it on the show yesterday. It's not at all surprising. Well, and this isn't the first time we brought it up. I and mean, we've talked about this before with the Jazz. No, you it, know, not even and before this yesterday. is the, th- the odd thing about the, the Boyan deal. I know the Lakers and the Jazz talk, I wouldn't say routinely, but on a regular basis. It's not like Rob and Danny have a, a set at calendar appointment. Up well, Tuesday at 2 o'clock, time to call Danny. Let's see if I can get aged. Like, that's not what it is. But it certainly is a thing where they have an open line of communication. And I think when you look at this, you know, when you look at it, it makes a lot of sense for the Jazz, man. Like, it, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. You have got, um, and there's a tweet right there, you have a guy in, in, in Russ that is he's a, a good salary slot, and he's an awkward guy there, man. Like, they're just not talented enough around LeBron. Mike and, and JC are big upgrades for them. And... That's why I'm a little hesitant to say that that Ryan Smith would be willing to help the Lakers by cutting Russell Westbrook a $20 million check. I have a lot of problem with that. But how is he helping the Lakers? Because it, well, if you send him Mike if you send them Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson or Malik Beasley? Yeah, but it's not about woo. dude, it's not we're getting lost here. We're getting lost. This isn't about helping the Lakers. This is about getting draft picks so you can go and chase a star in the trade market. That's what this is about. Like, this isn't, like, the Lakers, whether Jazz fan wants to admit it or not, the Lakers are always going to be relevant in the Western Conference. Let's just get that on the table. Let's get that out in the open. Okay, I think everybody agrees with that. But then explain to me why you didn't trade Boyan Bogdanovich to the Lakers. Yeah, because they were spiteful. And I I don't, I don't, I don't, again, I don't love that deal. I don't, not that you do. I'm just saying, like, I don't love how they behaved with that. No. the, The idea that the... I guess it just doesn't add up for me. The The Westbrook thing makes sense for the Jazz. I'm not talking about the deal itself. The deal makes perfect sense. That adds up. Yeah. What doesn't add up is this this whole thing about, about whether to buy him out or whether to send him home and whether you're helping the Lakers. or it, It's not about, like, to me, we Danny can't operate that way. You can't operate like, oh, we're helping this team. Yeah. You cannot, you're not in a position to, to, to say whether or not a team's going to contend before or after you. That's just not... 
the position you're in. You're in a position where you need to go and get that talent and build your roster, yeah. then worry about everybody else. RR says, Rui Hachimura and Westbrook for JC and Conley. Pick or two and fillers. Because Why would the Lakers trade Rui already? Yeah, he's, he's been actually good for been, them. He's made them unbelievably better defensively. Yeah. Brett Burnett says, not true, Monty. Many fans like Westbrook, just not here. No, actually, it is very true. He is one of the most difficult guys to deal with, and fans don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> what does a fan got to do with whether they like him or not? There's no question around the league, Westbrook has a reputation. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, Lewis in the GZ says, I doubt the Lakers are going to trade Rui this soon. And I'd have to look. I don't even know that they're if that's possible or not. I don't know. He's, dude, I'm telling wrong. you, they're not. The, the, he's been good for them, man. Yeah, they're not he trading them a lot. They're not trading him. Yeah. And the whole Kobe, why did you wear 28 because of Gianna and Kobe? Like, come on. Come on. Uh, Ken Williams says, why do you even make a trade for Westbrook and make the Lakers better? No way I'm making that trade because it makes you better. Yeah, you, you no, it Ken, makes you better. Ken, you're missing the point here, man. You're missing the point. It's not about Westbrook, it's no. about the fact he's on an expiring contract that has somewhere in the neighborhood of 20-ish million left on it. And you're going to you're going to realize that cap space through Westbrook's contract expiring. It's not that they want to add Westbrook to the roster and suit him up and have him out there. They don't want that. Like we just said three times, he's never going to suit up for the Jazz. No. That's not going to happen. No. I I I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um Brent Burnett says Lakers aren't giving up their pick. That ship has well, okay. Again, with all due respect, man, you make so many statements that are like they're not doing this. You're wrong. Okay, so Jeannie the other day saying she's going to make any deal that makes the team better. So that ship has sailed. It's over. That's completely. They're talking about Buddy Heald and uh, you know a package of players from Indiana for a first round pick, but they're not. They're not going to do that. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You you can't in this world, if you're going to talk in superlatives, you're going to look like an idiot. They're not, that ship is sailed. No, that ship is not sailed, actually. Alex Chacon says, I have a really hard time believing they would be spiteful towards Russ. Seems way too unprofessional. That happens all the time. Like the Jay Crowder thing, Jay Crowder and the Suns had a falling out. Yeah. And they told him, we're not going to play you regular rotational minutes. You're, you are going to play very few minutes here. And he said, okay, well, then I'm not going to be here. Trade me. Because they want to – They want really, the issue is Cam Johnson or Jay Crowder. Yeah. The issue is Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder. Like, he was the odd man out yeah. on that team. And so he, cho he chose to go home. But they straight up said to him, we're not going to play you. John Wall, we're not going to play you. Like, that happens in this league all the time. Yeah. It's, this is, it would not be rare for the, the – the jazz to say to Russ, yeah, hey, go home. We're not going to play you. We're not paying you, but go home. Yeah. That that would not be look at Serge Ibaka in Milwaukee. Exactly what's happening. Hey, go home. We're going to trade you. That's that's not rare in this league at all. Uh Rance says the Lakers, uh, far from being relevant, barely winning an AD usually gets hurt. Well, if you watched them play last night, you ought to be worried. <laughs> They're because, never, dude, they're never far from being relevant. They're relevant now. Yeah, I don't think they're irrelevant. I don't yeah. think the Lakers are ever irrelevant. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you know, again, with all due respect to Jazz Nation, like, I, I, and as you've been saying today, it it pisses you off that the Lakers are are you know always relevant, and you're they're always to relevant. fight to be relevant. Like that's what I'm saying, dude. That you gotta stop talking in superlatives about ships have sailed and. 
you know, how the Lakers are barely relevant. Dude, it's LeBron James. He's going to break the scoring record, and they're going to make trades to get better. Yeah. And they're going to be relevant. Yep, absolutely. They are. I think and there's... I'm not even a Laker fan, and I'm telling you that. Yeah. Uh, James Knight said, I think I saw the desk move when Monty got vindication. Yeah, it actually lifted up a yeah, little dude. bit. You know. Yep. You know. Yes, it, because... you did. Yes, you did. It's just fun for me. Yeah. Because we've known for the whole, like, if you knew who we spoke to, you would be like, oh, well, why'd you just say that? Yeah. If you knew who we had, who we have relationships with, it would blow your mind. So that's why we don't throw out, hey, this is happening for like, because we know better than that. We know that, yeah. hey, the Jazz and Miami have talked about Kelly Olynyk and Malik Beasley. But the problem is the the Heat were unwilling to include Nikola Jovic for a long time. Now they're willing to do that. The problem is the Jazz want nothing to do with Duncan Robinson. And without Duncan Robinson's $15 million contract, Jazz can't make that deal happen. <coughs> because they're hard-capped. They're hard-capped. And you got to do it dollar for dollar. So, yeah. again, I'm not hating on whoever that was, Jasketball, saying, oh, Nurkic. How? And why? Go ahead and help me understand a guy who's coming off a, a significant injury who's hurt again. By the way, pretty sure that Nurkic is, has another lower leg injury. I think it's a calf. Why would you pick up that guy? And where are you going to play him? You have one of the best emerging players in the NBA in Walker Kessler. Yep. Who is, I think, already one of the best defensive players in the league. Yep. You already have that guy. So what exactly, what exactly are you going to get in, in Nurkic? Nasir Little, okay, I could see that. Like, There's not a lot that makes sense in 1v1 trades. Like the Cavs deal. Cavs don't have a first-round pick to give to the of their own. The Cavs are trying to get a, a, a wing player that can shoot and defend. That's more likely Beasley, but they've straight up offered a first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. They're going to have to make that a three-team deal. You're going to have to. This Lakers-Westbrook thing. I, they have the, 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 the question is, does Danny Ainge want, I think, what are the Lakers, 2025 and 2027? Yeah. How valuable is that pick to you, really? You're probably at that point going through another rebuild. You're probably at that point going through another rebuild. The and Jazz? I, yeah. By that point, a 2027 first-round pick. If you're not, if you're drafting that pick... By the way, how good are the Lakers going to be? Because I can't believe they're going to be terrible that long. Yeah. In 2027, it's 2022-23 right now. Yeah. In the 2027 NBA draft, will the Jazz have won a championship by then? If they didn't, my guess is they'll be really close. So is that pick really of that much use to you? It's probably not. Yeah. And the Lakers' picks, first-round picks are not usually good because they're usually at the top of the Western Conference. Just my opinion. All of our NBA talk here on the Monty Show is presented by our good friends at Quick Quack Car Wash. Stop by. You're in and out in five minutes, no matter how long the line is. Again, my store is the one in South Jordan at the district. And if you know, there's the space is really constricted there. So usually the line is around the building and down towards the 7-Eleven. Five minutes. It doesn't matter. The line could be back to the Ochre Temple and it'd still be five minutes, right? <laughs> the Ochre Temple. Right? So <laughs> it's great because it's efficient. It's fast. I love the wash pass. I never have to, you know, like they just put your license plate in, boom, you're done. 
You're in, you're out, gone. Bada boom, bada bing. And again, Jake, for the first time, got to see the the vacuums in action. Yeah. The sucking power at yeah, the quick the way. Yeah, the suction was real. Yeah, awesome. I just, I love it, man. And if you're not a vacuum or if you're not a towel dry guy, because I like, I like when I get my car wash, you know how your door jams and your trunk jam is all watery and... I like to wash that off. I like to dry it off. I like to, I'm the guy that likes my mirrors. I'm kind of anal about my mirrors. Uh-huh. I don't like my mirrors to be all water spotted. <laughs> guy walked up, gave me two fresh brand new towels that were damp. So they, I mean, it was great. Car looks awesome. Klaus is rolling. Go to Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. So a uh, little bit of um, spraining of news this morning. Not a fracture, not breaking. Spraining right. news. Uh, because we told you about it yesterday on the show that the Jazz and the Lakers are uh, continuing to have conversations about a Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, Chris Haynes from TNT, Bleacher Report, somewhere. Chris Haynes uh, this morning, who actually I think is one of the better guys in the NBA. Uh, Chris Haynes this morning uh, tweeting out that uh, he is a senior NBA insider for TNT and Bleacher Report. Yeah. Uh, he said, with Los Angeles aiming for another trade before the deadline, conversations were had with the, Laker, with the Lakers and Jazz centered on Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You know, it's what we do. But I think you're looking at a situation where the Lakers want contributing players now. And yeah. we were watching the game last night, the Laker game, and talking back and forth about how they're wasting LeBron. Yep. And I know we've had this conversation on the show a thousand times, but I'll just keep saying it. Anthony Davis was spectacular last night. Davis. I mean, he was awesome. But how long is he going to be healthy? Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, he could, you know, change out of his Prada jumpsuit and, you know, get into like, you know, the leggings and the Laker cloth, you know, to actually get on the floor. That was nice. Yeah, Thanks. I think it is. And listen, I will say I think it's long. The odds are long that the Lakers make this deal. Like, I, I, I think more so... I think the Jazz know if they sent Mike Conley to Dallas, Miami, I really think Fred Van Vliet has changed the Lakers, or excuse me, the Jazz draft opportunities. Uh huh. I think that they had a Mike Conley deal for a first-round pick. I think if they had that today, they'd make it. Yeah. But I think Fred Van Vliet being on, on, the, on the market and available to teams like the, the Clippers, the Lakers – um, Atlanta, Dallas, I think that has changed Mike Conley's value. And I still maintain that OG Ananobi, I think he winds up with the Knicks. But you look at you look at New Orleans, I think you I think there are good places for OG Ananobi. Yeah. Do you think he gets traded? Yeah, I do. I think I think there's too much competition. I think that there's too much desire. Like we've been hearing, you know, we've been hearing about OG trades for two seasons now, but I think now this this whole concept of the Knicks and the Pelicans competing to get this guy and and you want to talk about spite, I think Leon Rose is pissed that he didn't get Donovan Mitchell and now he feels like he needs to get a deal or a win to <coughs> to solidify this Knicks team. Yeah. And I think that you know, he knows that the Knicks, uh, his Knicks are are very much parallel to where the Pelicans are. They're two teams that are good but not good enough, and, and getting good enough is adding guys like OG Ananobi. And look, OG Ananobi's never going to be an MVP, you know, probably an all-star caliber player at, at his best, you know, and, and I think that, that the minimum out of OG is much better defense than you have now because that's the problem. 
You RJ Barrett is a nice little offensive player, doesn't play great defense. You know, and you have a, a roster full of guys that are kind of like that. So to me, I just think if I'm Leon, I need to get aggressive. You like you're the Knicks, operate like it. And and if you get beat out by New Orleans, you know, that's that's on Leon. There's that's just what it is. Yeah, and I wonder when Danny trades Malik Beasley, because again, and I'm waiting for a confirmation on it, but I, I am pretty certain that Malik Beasley is going to get them a first-round pick. It's something that we've been trying to get our, our hands around. Yeah. I think they're going to get a first-round pick from Malik Beasley. I do. I, I, I think that if you can get a first-round pick from Malik Beasley, I think you are in exceptional position. Yeah. And I think they will. I, I do think they will get they will get that. You know, like it 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 feels right to me. I mean, you have Laurie Markinen now. He's an all star, which I think the way they handled that, by the way, I thought was spectacular. Wrapping the player parking lot gate where you pull in, you know, with his face and the all star thing and then all the players hugging him. And I just think I think Laurie Markinen has been a revelation to the Jazz. And I think the Jazz have been a revelation to Laurie Markinen. I think the way he has played you can now see him here for the next two full years. Yeah, you can see extending Laurie Markkinen if he continues to play at this level. Um, I just I think you've got to take advantage of this. You've the explosion of Walker Kessler. I mean, he is one of the best centers in the league now. I think he's probably top ten. Um, I think you know he's obviously not going to be Jokic. He's not going to be you know Joel Embiid. But you can put him in competition on any roster. And I think having him on this Jazz roster, starting him the rest of the year, unquestioned, that's why you've got to trade Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. Starting Kelly Olynyk at the four is simply a value proposition for the Jazz. And and I think Kelly Olynyk has huge value. I think the Miami Heat would love to get Kelly Olynyk back. I think Yeah. They really they need they need that. But I just, what do you, if you're the Miami Heat, what do you do with Duncan Robinson's deal? Nobody wants that contract. Yeah. I, That's I, a bad yeah, I mean, deal. You want to talk about writing checks? Like, you can write that check. Yeah. I, it, like it's a, they, it's I, a bad if, deal. If I remember correctly, they gave him the deal. Yeah. Rance um, speaks the truth and the obvious one of that. Uh, the T-Wolves would be a lot better team if they didn't trade with the Jazz. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm going to say. Candies and nuts. You did, and so you're not. But you can't do this thing about what if. Oh, man, what if we trade for him and we're, we're not good? You traded for Rudy Gobert, and there was absolute elation in Minnesota. I think people believe that would work well. Nobody projected that Carl Anthony Towns was going to be out this long. Mm -hmm. Nobody. And now he's supposedly you know on the you know quick return like Devin Booker's coming back. That's the other thing I think you have to – you kind of have to forecast forward. How urgent are you if you're the Suns knowing now, okay, Book's going to be back supposedly next early next week? Allegedly. Carl Anthony Towns is going to be back in Minnesota. So they're going to get better. Rudy Gobert is dealing with an injury. I think everybody believes the Lakers are going to make one, maybe two more deals. They're going to be better. Because really for the Lakers, you just got to get out of the play-in tournament. Yeah. And they're going to be able to do that, in my opinion, if Anthony Davis stays healthy. Because, again, seeing what you've seen from him, geez, Louise. Yeah, it's just unreliable. Yeah, the guy is a stud when he's healthy. I mean, what he gave them last night, I... I After the street closed, Davis. He's unbelievable when he's healthy. I think you have to look at... There's a couple other teams. I, I, I don't know what Milwaukee does here. Like, the Jay Crowder deal 
Should have been done already. It should have been done. I told you. I told you the other day that that that, that deal's close. Yeah. It's disappointing if you're a Jazz fan because the, you want to be in the Jay Crowder deal. You want to be in the Jay Crowder deal. And again, I would tell you there is no better trade to me. Like, look at who's in town tonight. John Collins and the Atlanta Hawks. Yep. That's a guy, I'm telling you, if you could start Kessler at the five, Collins at the four, Laurie at the three, I mean, that is, that's going to be a really formidable lineup. Yeah. And because this team really struggles to rebound and defend. The mm-hmm. Jazz struggle. The rebounding thing's a big deal because you're giving teams two, three opportunities a trip. Yeah. And you can't do that. Yeah. Well, and I think that. That Walker is that's a developmental piece. He he has to continue to get better at staying attached to his guy defensively. Like there's like he's as gifted of a shot blocker as they come, but there's a lot of other things on defense that he needs to improve on. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at the the situation with Rudy Gay, I think this is another interesting this is another interesting guy because Rudy Gay, he's not somebody that that's that's making a a, a whole bunch of money. But he's a guy that you've got to move him on. His $6 million, you've got to move him on, man. Like, you cannot continue. I think playing Rudy Gay is detrimental to the roster. I do. Well, I think playing Rudy Gay, I think playing Mike Conley, like, you know, playing Mike Conley, like, the problem is, as much as I love watching Mike Conley operate in the pick and roll, the reality is you need Colin Sexton learning how to be Mike Conley. That's just that's just the reality yeah. of where you're at. And but he's another guy that I don't I would not be surprised. Yeah. Do not be shocked if they trade Colin Sexton. Yeah. Do not be surprised by that. If 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 this team trades Colin Sexton and you're caught off guard, that's a you thing. Because do you even watch the Jazz? You're a casual, bro. Yeah, do you even watch the Jazz? I think Will Hardy and Colin Sexton don't love playing together. You're a casual. I think there's no doubt about that. Like Will Hardy wants Will Hardy wants Colin Sexton. He expects Colin Sexton to be better. And I think we've seen flashes of better from Colin. I don't know if Will Hardy's the right voice in his ear. Yeah. And I think they're acutely aware of that. And because jazz sources have told me that those two don't communicate well. Well, we've seen it. We've seen it, right? Yeah. I mean, how many heated conversations have they had? Yeah. We've seen it. Yeah. I I I don't disagree with that. By the way, hit the like button, will you, please? What are we doing likes-wise here? We have uh, 1,500 views on the show today and only 73 likes. So if all 221 of you in the room right now could uh, hit the like button, that would be awesome if you have not already. Uh, Roki Teppa says thank you. Well, you're welcome. I'm not sure what what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but sure. Talking with Raphael Podcast. Do you think the term write that check will disappear? A lot of people don't know what a checkbook is. <laughs> yes, seriously. Hey, go ahead and wire me that money, sir. <laughs> right? Uh, Isn't that mean, crazy, you though? You Venmo, right? Isn't that crazy, though? And, and Raphael, I think you're right. I haven't written a check in... Yeah. I don't know how long. I don't know how long. Uh, Tyler P says, I love Gobert, but was happy the Jazz traded him. That contract was so bad. Yeah, absolutely that contract was bad. No doubt about it. Um, and I think it I think it is still to this day one of the worst contracts in the history of the NBA. Yeah. I think it is it's yeah. awful. Uh James Knight says word is Crowder will get to the Bucks. Yeah, we just covered that. We yeah, covered we were that. just we talking, talking about, about that. that. Yeah. I, I I'm surprised it's not done yet. Um He's they just need a good fit there. Like the, they the need way him. they play the game, the way he plays the game. And like, his from what I've been told, his three point shot looks really good right now. And he has spent 
Jay Crowder has not been sitting on the home cry- or sitting on the couch crying at home. He's been working his ass off. So he is in he is in uh, pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, I apologize. I just need to put my phone down. Yeah. I get a lot of texts during the show. Yeah. And I apologize for that. I should be better about that. But I'm surprised that deal hasn't been done. Brent Burnett. Gobert's contract was used as bad, but it turned into gold. The contract netted so many players plus the picks. Fool's gold, but now gold for the Jazz. Okay. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Rant says Wolves didn't get better. Kessler way more upside than Gobert. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Arlington Bear says, I hit the button. Thank you. You're there. Because you're a stud, dude. You're hey, a stud. There's 10 more likes. Let's go. We're Get at 80, to 100, man. We're at Come 83, on, please, yeah. Please. It's crazy that we're at like 1,500 uh, views today and we're at 83 likes. And I haven't done a good job begging you and pleading with you, you know, because we're, we're thirsty, <coughs> um, you know, to try. Well, nobody watches the show. Nobody. I mean, we're we, just we, the, we're the hacks. You know, we're, we're, we're the hacks on YouTube. Nobody watches the show. So, you know. Yeah, exactly right. And nobody goes to Barbecue Pit Stop and buys a Sato seasoning, even though everybody has gone to Barbecue Pit Stop and bought a Sato seasoning. Yes. Get on my... Hey, listen. If you don't have a Barbecue Pit Stop near you, Logan, Layton, Lehigh, St. George the Jeezy, and of course our good friends on State Street and Murray, if you're not near a, a Barbecue Pit Stop and you can't walk in and buy the best barbecue equipment in the business, because you know that when you hear Barbecue Pit Stop... The best barbecue equipment in the business, hands down. Traeger, Yoder, Big Green Egg, Camp Chef. Absolutely, they've got it all. They've got the brand new uh, Traeger Ironwood XL. Uh, we, we, are, we are Ironwood 885 guys. Yeah. That Ironwood XL looks unbelievable. Uh, it's, they've got it there. Make sure you go check it out. But listen, if you can't, you can shop online at bbqpitstop.com. Get the Flavor Knuckles Asado Seasoning. It is spectacular. Do it. Eggs, chops, steaks, wings, you name it. Me. It works. Cauliflower wings, absolutely. Bomb. Brisket, absolutely. Bomb. I, I'm telling you, asado scrambled eggs. Oh, dude. I mean, it's it's off the chain. I want it. And it is, it is, I am telling you, asado seasoning. If you have not ingested asado into your veins, yeah. you are not a superhero. I don't know what that means, but... Flavor Knuckles, there it is, Asado, A-S-A-D-O, Asado Seasoning. You're getting that at Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm telling you, friends, it'll change your life. Shop online at bbqpitstop.com or see them in uh, Logan, Leighton, Lehigh, the Jeezy, and, of course, on State Street in Murray. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. The Monty Show. As we are talking about uh, the Utah Jazz uh, in trades, they do have the Atlanta Hawks tonight. Minus two and a half, 241, mm. depending on where you get that game, because that game fluctuated between a point and three points. Um, we went with the consensus, which is a point and a half. Um, but there you go at two and a half. Um, do you like John Collins? Where are you at on John Collins? Yeah, I like his game. I think there's a lot that needs to improve, though. I mean, I, I, I think the difference is when I look at players, I look at who they could be not who they are now. So so what I mean is John Collins is obviously someone who's struggling to get minutes. He's struggling to stick. He's struggling to be an impact player on a team where he really should be an impact player, which tells me a couple of things. Number one, is the guy coachable? 
That's the first question I'm going to ask about John Collins. If you're not sticking and you're not getting the minutes you should be getting, are you coachable? I still believe that the dude is coachable. The Hawks are the first team that he's ha he's been with in the league. So when it's a situation where the guy is still on his first team, well, what is a new situation, a new voice, a new opportunity do? Well, most guys are going to open up to that and, and, and be a little more coachable in the new situation. So I'm fine with that. You know, the, the thing that I really struggle with with John Collins is is the defense. The defensive side of the ball is a struggle for him. And it's a struggle for a lot of guys, but a lot of guys can improve that. And when I look at the combination of John Collins and Walker Kessler, I really like what you have there because Walker Kessler can provide the rim protection, can provide the block shots, you know, can provide the pick and roll defense. But then John Collins ideally would provide perimeter defense, would provide you know, that that the the defense on faster guys who maybe Walker Kessler can't keep up with, you know? And so to me, it's like you would have a nice combination. Thirdly, I think John Collins can be a really effective rebounder. That's one of the things that I think he could quickly get better at uh, because he can, he can jump out of the gym. He's got great vertical. So when I look at Laurie, John, and Walker on the floor at the same time, you should, you should never lose the rebounding battle against someone you're playing if you have those three on the floor playing 30 minutes a night. You should never lose in, yeah. in the rebounding battle. And I, I think the other thing that you have to consider with John is that he's got huge upside, huge developmental upside. Yeah. And I agree he makes you a dominant rebounding team, but I think the other thing that you like about John so much is that he's young. Yes, he's got a hefty contract, but he's also a guy that you can put in the gym and say, hey, we need to improve your three-point shooting. And he's going to go and find the the Brickleys or whoever to make himself a better three-point shooter. Yeah, That's what you like about John Collins. He's prideful, he has work ethic, and he, he is that guy that you can scale. The other thing you like about John Collins is I, I, think, I think you're also in a position where you're, you're putting him in a three-team deal. I mean, when you're, when you're doing 20-plus million-dollar contracts, there are very few teams who could take that one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And... I go back to what we talked about in in you know late December when you had uh, the Hawks, the Suns, and the Jazz in a three team deal that would have had you with Dario Sarge and John Collins and and Phoenix's first round pick. That to me is the ideal deal. That is ideal. That is the way you want to do this. Those deals are not easy to come by, obviously. But now with you know six days left before the trade deadline, I think this weekend we begin to see the trade stop. You know the trade pot story yeah and I think we're going to start seeing these deals come across and I do think that the Jazz can maximize the return e even if it is John Collins and that salary I think you can maximize the return on him mm -hmm. that's what I really like about him and I also like that he can be here for three years and become a much better player than he's been in Atlanta well and I think when you look at Laurie's development there's no reason why you can't you translate that into a guy like John or into you know some of these other guys that we've talked about today and that's what I'm saying again I, I know I say it every day and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face David Fisdale is the true guy here. David yeah. Fisdale is the guy that's gonna gonna make this thing go because Danny's gonna go and get players. He's gonna get talent, but ultimately, David Fisdale has to work these guys and develop these guys into players that can do their job in Will Hardy's system at the highest level possible. And so far, I feel like Laurie has been that. I feel like Laurie's been better than he was in Chicago. Uh, I think he he has grown, and obviously Laurie's an all star now, as we all saw yesterday. So I I just feel like there's a there's progress being made, and we can't ignore that. No, I agree. Monday we're gonna have to have a conversation about Puka Nakua. Why? Because he is just crushing, crushing 
the Senior Bowl. Like he is just dominating. Yeah. And I, I man, him and I think Harris Lachance has helped himself a lot. Mm. I think Harrison Puka. I I think Jaron has looked really good. Um, I think Harris played in. I don't remember what the name of the the game he played in last weekend was, but he he looked great doing it. I mean, I I think BYU's going has the potential to put a couple guys in the top rounds of these of of the NFL draft. So we'll have to talk about that on Monday. Uh, Ken Williams says I ordered it online. The Asado seasoning, I think you're yeah. saying. Oh, he said great on uh, pork and beer ribs. Amen to that. Amen to that. Kurt Meyer says barbecue pit stop in Lehigh is the best one. Steve's a great dude. Appreciate you, Steve. Uh, Fat Jesus says just curious. Why do you see a different like uh, amount than I do? I only see 39. I don't know what you mean. I see 99 yeah. likes on the program. Uh, I don't know why that would be. Uh, maybe refresh. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, let's see. Uh, Roki Tepa says, thanks to the Jazz taking Markinen and giving him the opportunity to show his skills. Dilly dilly. Well, I think, Lori, when you get to your third team, that's a problem. When you are as talented as he is, he, he just was a guy that would settle for a jump shot. And now he's a guy that, that'll settle for dunking on you. And I love that. Uh, Kanai Johnson, good morning, KJ, says Collins would be the best fit for this Jazz team. I love the way he fits on this Jazz team. Yeah, and I think, you know, to be fair, you know, it's not all positive with Collins either. I mean, there are a lot of positives. But I think, you know, one of the biggest downsides or negatives is that, you know, there has been, you know, we've heard things over the years about how he's, you know, sometimes copped an attitude or not exactly been the most positive player in the locker room. Like He's pouted for, certainly. Yeah. and the biggest hole in his game is that he is not a good lateral defender. He His footwork is a mess. And he's going to have to get better at that. But he's young enough to get better at that. So uh, James Knight says, I couldn't agree more about Collins. He checked out a long time ago. And Atlanta's a tough place to be. You know, like Atlanta's a tough place to be with the the what we now know is dysfunction with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. And, um, you know, I mean, you're probably turning over another coach there. Like, it's just... Yeah. Do they want to trade Bogdan Bogdanovich? Like it you have a lot of similar players there. And you need to you need to find a way to rework that. And I don't know if I like the DeJounte Murray deal for them. I, I think I'd rather be married to DeJounte Murray than I would to Trey Young. Well. Because Trey Young seems like a pain in the ass. That, but that's why I like the DeJounte Murray deal in that sense, because now they've got another guy to replace Trey Young with. Yep. Uh, Matthew Wade says, love and respect, bros. Good morning. Who wants to write a 10 page page ten pages today for me? Nah, nah bro. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm good. You know, I'm nah. good. Like, I'll, I'll pass on... Uh, Maybe you know what you should do. You know what you should do, Matthew Webb. Why don't you get on Chat GPT and have the AI bot write the paper for you? How about That's what that? I'm talking about. How about that? You know, uh, Capazzo says Matthew Webb. Sorry, dude. I have two reports to write myself. Not in, not including approving time cards, creating new contracts. Good luck, guys. Good luck. We'll be over here, um, yeah, making videos. New, new videos. videos uh, jazz, every day. Uh, Rand says Jazz favored in that game. I don't know about that. Against Atlanta? Why would they not be... Why would you think they would not be favored in that game? Why would you be saying that? Did I get... The, are you saying I got that wrong? I A, I never make mistakes. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, uh, he don't know nothing. Oh, the line did move, move down to one and a half. The line is one and a half now. So there you go. The number's still 242. 
Yeah. But that line moved down the Jazz and the Hawks tonight. Okay, um, time to edit the banner. The yeah, let's let's ed- let's uh, edit the banner. We're doing some editing let's here. Let's go one, and this moved to two forty-two. One point five and two forty-two. Yeah, jerky. Uh, well, not that one. This no, one. that's there the wrong one. Hey! hey, there we go. Seven o'clock tonight. By the way, are you a Comcast customer? Do you guys know you could stream that tonight on Comcast? If you're a Comcast customer with AT and T Sportsnet. Uh, E.T. says, Hawks are a mess. Blow that whole team up. Well, yeah. I say the same thing about the flipping Chicago Bulls, and they won't do it. And then Caruso goes out last night and gets hurt. They weren't going to trade Caruso anyway. It's like asking for two first-round picks for him You're is ridiculous. Yeah. That tells me you don't want to trade him. I wonder who they move there. Because, again, I think, I think Zach Levine to the Lakers makes sense, dude. I get it. He'd be the perfect complement to A.D. and LeBron. Are the Bulls willing to take Russ back? That's an interesting fit for Russ. Nah. You the problem is the Bulls think that they have some great team. That's the problem. They think that their team is yeah. a really good team and, you know, they're going to contend and everything's awesome. And it's like, no, dude, they're not. And it's mostly a Zach Levine issue, if we're being honest. Zach, you know, needs the ball and wants the ball and has this mentality of I'm a superstar when I don't know that I'd even call him a superstar. He's an all-star. Zach Levine's not a superstar. Yeah, you're you're an all-star. You're a really good player, but you're not a superstar, man. And and I think that the problem is the Bulls could be a really good team. The Bulls could be an Eastern Conference power again if those guys mentally had the right mentality and played basketball together. But so often... It's, you know, it's it, it, it's too much Zach Levine from three, and it's contested. Like, that burns me out. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's frustrating. I think it is one of those things where you look at some of this stuff, and you're like, what are you guys looking at? Like, if you look at Io DeSumo and Pat Williams, I would trade Pat Williams. I would. Yeah. Patrick Williams is a good, not a great player, and they don't seem to be developing guys. I would trade him. And Patrick Williams is somebody, when you look at Pat, you can see the upside there. And that's what scares the Chicago Bulls. They don't want to trade Patrick Williams because I think they have real fear that he will become a solid starting four for somebody in this league. Because <coughs> right now he's not. If we're, if we're just being, if we're being honest and you, and you look at what Pat Williams is, he's a, he's a value. He's a $7.7 million player. Yeah. And he is on a very manageable $17 million deal. He's very manageable. He's not Zach Levine who's making $37 million and is a malcontent. Yeah. You have nothing to hang on to with Zach Levine. Don't play intramurals, brother. But if if you put put a guy like a, a Zach Levine and a Patrick Williams into a deal for the Lakers and they give you two first round picks and, and Russell Westbrook, Who's saying no to that? Yeah. Are the Bulls saying no to that? Man, I don't think they would. I Honestly, I don't think they would. Zach wouldn't say no. Oh, well, I think Zach would love to get out of Chicago. Yeah. But then why'd you sign that extension over the summer? Like, that's what doesn't make sense to me. It makes no sense to me, in fact. You know, like, I, I look at their situation with Nikola Vucevic. Expiring contract, 22 million bucks. Yes, please. Yeah. I would take that all day long. Right? I, I mean... The problem is, the problem is, if you're the Lakers, you've now got a guy in Thomas Bryant that's outperforming his number. Yeah. Like, he's been fantastic for you. He's been, like, a revelation for you. Yeah. Is Nikola Vucevic an upgrade to Thomas Bryant? No, no. he's probably not. 
I've already got Vucevic and Anthony Davis. So, and Anthony's a better player. So it's just a matter of what pieces are you going to put together? I think Zach Levine to the Lakers is an absolute, that's a, that's a no-brainer trade for both sides. Yeah. That's probably why it won't happen. <laughs> it's probably why it won't happen. Yeah. They have the pieces to make it happen, but I just, I just don't think it will happen. Uh, Brent Burnett says, love to have Caruso. He would do well with the Jazz, but not overpaying. The wrong time. Yeah. Wrong time. He, 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 I mean, I, I, think, I think the Knicks would love to have Alex Caruso, but they're not going to overpay. I still think the Knicks and OG Alex and Caru- OB. Dude, Alex Caruso needs to be on a team that is championship ready. He, he provides value to those kinds of teams, like the teams where you're, you're like your conference final, NBA final material, and you need a little bit of leadership, and you need a guy that works his ass off and does the dirty work. Like, that's what that's what Alex Caruso does. And, yeah, he's going to knock down the corner three for you pretty regularly. Yeah. Well, um, Rance says backdoored into chip. You backed into a... Frito-Lay truck? Listen, this is a family show, dude. You don't need to talk about getting backdoored. Yeah, what you, you know what I mean? About? Like, um, like, come on, dude. You're going out on a limb, Rance. I don't... Rance, tell me what you mean by that. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, Brent Burnett, I'd take Caruso over Rudy effing gay, but that's about it. I, I think if, talking shit. if Alex Caruso was on the Lakers, the Suns, he'd be a great fit in Portland. He is a, a big upgrade to Josh Hart in Portland. Yeah. I mean, anybody that needs a two and bench twos, I, I wouldn't start Alex Caruso. I'd finish Alex Caruso, though. Alex Caruso's defense, Yeah, I don't care if he ever scores. But then you put him in the corner, and now he's knocking down that three at a pretty high rate. But again, he got hurt last night. Mm-hmm. And he's battled injuries the last 18 months. But I don't think there's any doubt the Knicks, the Celtics, um, probably not Milwaukee. I mean, he works just about everywhere. The other guy, you know, would do well in the Pelicans. The, yes, he would. Who surprisingly, like, every day I hear about the Pelicans doing something. Yeah, and I haven't done anything, but I hear about them doing something. I'm curious if they'll trade Herb Jones. I'm curious. about You don't that. know who Herb Jones is. You need to go and do your homework because dude can play. I'm curious who they're willing to give up because you've got guys in Zion and Bi Brandon Ingram that just can't stay healthy. And you're actually getting good ball out of C.J. McCallum right now. I'm curious what they're willing to move and what they're yeah. willing to do. Yeah. And I'm curious if O.G. Ananobi's a fit in New Orleans. Because what are you willing to give up to get O.G. Ananobi? That's a question I'd like to be asking. That, like, this is Cleveland. Cleveland would love to get O.G. Ananobi. But let me ask you something. You don't own your first-round picks. Where are you going to get a first-round pick or seven to make that deal happen? Yeah. Those are the things that are so fascinating. Those are the, you know, like, those are the nuts and bolts that make a trade stay together. What are you willing to go out and do and give up? What extra player are you willing to put a Seti Osman into a deal? Are you willing to, you know, like, what are you going to do with Kevin Love's contract? Because Kevin Love's contract, I think a lot of people (laughs) on the Cleveland Cavaliers – don't recognize that Kevin Love is a guy that has a massive contract. Was he making $31 million, I think? Kevin Love's a guy that if you can get K-Love in a deal, because I'm one of the people who believe, I've heard enough that he's available. Kevin Love 
is making $28.9 million on an expiring deal. I'm trading that Keyword guy. Keyword expiring. I am trading that guy. I'm trading that guy. There's no doubt about that. I If I could trade him into unrestricted free agency, absolutely. Yep. Let's do it. Like And for me, that's the hard part. If, if you're the Cavs and you need, like, see, the Lakers don't work for him, don't work for the Cavs because they don't need Russ. And you really, you don't want to give up. Like Austin Reeves is that guy. Everybody, when they call the Lakers, what about Austin Reeves? What about Austin Reeves? Yeah. Well, they're not going to trade you Austin Reeves, but I will trade you my two future first round picks if you give me X, Y, Z. Yeah. Right? But there's no Cavs-Laker trade. Now, I think if you if you are, I don't know, the Clippers, wouldn't you love to have Kevin Love? Big size rebounder, three-point shooter that you can play behind Avisa Zubats. Yeah. That you can play some small ball with. Not a, not a great defender. If you're the Boston Celtics, now Cleveland's not going to trade K-Love to the Boston Celtics. Kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. But if you're the Boston Celtics, wouldn't you love to have Kevin Love on your roster for the last two months of the season? Mm-hmm. He's got real value around the league. And I know that's crazy talk to some people, but man, I'm t- if you're the Portland Trailblazers, yes. if you're the Portland Trailblazers, wouldn't you love to have Kevin Love on your roster for the last two months of the season? That's right, T. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are buying and not selling. That's the hard part about yes. this trade market. Yes. And I know we keep saying Danny that. Ainge is in a leveraged position. He is. He is. And the other guy on that Cleveland Cavalier roster you better watch for is Karis LeVert. I wasn't impressed with what I saw to him, though. When we went to Don's return, I was not impressed. No, but he's a guy who knows he's going to get traded. Yeah. He's a, he's... But, like, if you know you're getting traded, aren't you trying to do, like, aren't you trying to prove that value? Well, you better because he's another guy that's on an expiring deal. So, like, you, you go from being, you know, in the rotation in Cleveland to sitting on the couch in, like, 90 days. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's rough, dude. It, it, it's rough, man. Like it is. There's so many. That's why I said there's a lot of moving parts here, man. There's a lot of straws in that can of soda. And you're just going to have to figure out, you know, which way you want to go here. Because I, I think, again, I think the Knicks, I think the Knicks almost have to make a deal. You have to get OG Ananobi. You, you have but like, to. That would be a splash win. That's why. It's you like, have and to. he makes them better. But, but the, again, I'm a big believer in the motives and the why behind these trades, right? Like, the OG thing to the Knicks is because he needs a win, not because he's like, oh, we're going to win a championship with OG and Anobi, right? Like, OG makes yeah. them better. OG definitely is an upgrade, but OG's not taking you to the NBA Finals. He's not, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he, he will help you. He makes you significantly better defensively because of yeah. his length. But Leon, while he cares about that, Leon's doing it because he knows he needs a win. He needs a win, dude. Yeah, if you can move Reddish and Toppin as part of a deal that gets you OG and Anobi... Reddish and Toppin, two first round picks, get it done. I think how much you is OG and an OB making? OG is an OG making eighteen, I something like that. If I remember right, he's making teens. Let me pull up. High, let me pull, pull up, up the cap. Seventeen point three five yeah, so, on a fifty five million dollar deal. Yeah, but I and and I know I keep going off on these tangents. I'm sorry. I want Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, that's what I if if I Gary am, Trent Jr.'s injury guy though. Right, but he's, all, but he's also lockdown defender guy, and he's also three-point shooter guy. Three, isn't it crazy how much value 3 and Ds have in this league now? Yeah. It's unbelievable 
how much value. Because it used to be like if you said, oh, he's a 3 and D guy, it's like you were slapping him in the face. Or the bag in Don's case. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, but, but if now, if you're a 3 and D guy, you're probably, you're probably 17 to 20 million bucks a year. Yeah. That ain't a bad way to make a living in this league, right? It's, yeah, shoot your shot. It's crazy. But I, I look at that and I'm just like, damn, dude. But this is, again, Golden State. Who does Golden State miss? Golden State misses Otto Porter. Like Golden State. Golden State misses Gary Payton II. Golden State, yeah, same guy. Same guy. Golden State misses GP2. Golden State misses, misses I, I, I think Otto Porter. That skill set is what Golden State misses. And by the way, a guy I know in San Francisco the other day was telling me, hey, they would love to tra- trade Jaden, James Wiseman. He was telling me, well, I heard the, the Jazz had interest in James Wiseman. And I said, nah, I don't think so. I could be wrong. I've never heard that. But I, I think they would like James Wiseman, but what's it going to take to get that done? Because goddamn, if they could get Malik Beasley for James Wiseman, are you telling me you ain't doing that? Yeah, I mean, you're probably doing that, but... Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Absolutely, you are. There's no doubt you are, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Of course you do. What? Nothing. People are texting me about about Otto Porter right off the gate. So I appreciate you watching the show, my man. Uh, I think they absolutely miss Otto Porter. My a friend of mine is like, they're thirsty for Otto Porter's skill set. Yes, they are. They yeah. are absolutely. Because I think you miss that glue guy. I think that the oddity is a team like Golden State, they're not far away, but man, it feels like you're on the other side of the lake, man. Yeah. Like it feels like you can't, you just can't put it together and they can't win on the road. And that's the thing that you're just trying to figure out with the Warriors is why can't you win on the road? Why are you, man, man. Rant says the Knicks uh, kind of decent this year. I think the Knicks, if they got OG and Anobi, could really beat some people in the playoffs. Yeah. If they can get a little longer and a little better defensively, because Jalen Brunson's just, he, he is just a shot maker. He is, he is, and I think Julius Randle again, I'll fight you over Julius Randle. I think he's been the best power forward in the NBA this year. I know there I said it. I feel better. You're an idiot. You don't have sources. You're you don't watch games. Casual. You're dumb. Yeah. Hacks on YouTube saying stupid stuff. By the way, when does Quinn Cook make his return to the league? I don't know. He's balling out, dude. Because if my guy's dropping 50 in China with, you know, the Zhejiang Lions, he, I think he can give you 15. I know, man. And I just think that when you look at... Man, there's so there's so much available talent that's a head case. And yeah. I think he's that guy. There's a lot of dudes right now that are I think God damn, I think teams that signed J.R. Smith that they thought he could make a three. Where is AA right, right like, now? I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. But you look at some of the guys having years, and again, I'll go back to James Knight and pissing him off. Like, <laughs> how long are you gonna keep Oklahoma State together? Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City together. Rather, <laughs> you know, same, same thing, man. You know. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, SGA and Giddy and the boys. But it's more like you're paying Lugans Dort. <laughs> Too much? $64 million. Like, how long are you going to, how long are you going to pay, you know, a roster that's super top heavy and just doesn't <laughs> have that much quality depth? Yeah. Like, if you look at Josh Giddy down, 
Josh Giddy is a steal at $6.2 million. Yeah. Other than that, who's the steal in Mo? Mike Muscala. You know what I mean? Like, how long are you going to be? This is what the Jazz will not do. You're not going to pay Laurie $30 million and then have a bunch of scrubs behind him. Yeah. That's what Danny won't do. How long do you do you do that? And how long are you just going to be a crappy average team? Because SGA deserves better than this. Yeah. And I know that they're a fringe playoff team, and we, we get yeah, it. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. But, man, I'm telling you, you got to find a way to, to get – somebody needs to go and get Pascal Siakam and, and go win a championship because he complimented your offense. Yeah. Like, there's too many guys available. You're, if you're crappy all the time, Houston, it's because you're not trying to win games. Yeah. If you're crappy all the time, OKC, it's because now you're top-heavy and you've got to completely remake your roster again. Because it's garbage. You know what I mean? Like, look at Sacramento. Finally, did De'Aaron Fox not make the, the all-star team? Mm, God damn. Don't remember. I but but I, I look at all these dudes... And I look at I look at the way that a guy like a De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron Fox is putting up 24 points in six dimes. And they're winning. And they are winning. He's one of the the better point guards in the league now. No, De'Aaron Fox was snubbed. I cannot believe that guy's not an all-star. Yeah. Saying I like I questioned it in my head. No, no, no. De'Aaron's an all-star. And I'm like, no, De'Aaron didn't make the all-star. Sabonis made it. Saboner. I, like, I don't, I don't understand that. He's a DeMontis Sabonis has been huge for them. Yeah. You know, All right. James Knight says, okay, see the youngest team in the league. I don't disagree with that. Uh, you guys are forgetting to talk about Jake's boyfriend, Chet Holmgren. Well, you can't talk What's about guys talk who don't about, play. Dude? What's there to talk about? Do you still have that nude picture of him on your ceiling? This is a family show. We don't talk about sad things. Oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, Andy H says, I would try to trade Conley, Vando and Beasley for Tyler Hero. Well, why would Miami do that? He's starting for them. In Why would the productive. Jazz do that? You already have him. Jordan Clarkson. Younger. Yeah. Uh, keep hating on OKC. Mark my words. They're on the rise. I'm not hating on OKC. And I don't disagree that they're on the rise. But there are always problems there. There are always check broke his how, foot. Listen, you notice how OKC is always that team that's, quote, on the rise. They're always, quote, young, gun, on the rise, best young talent in the league. When are they going to be contenders? When are they going to be like making a difference type team? When are you? When is Oklahoma City going to be New Orleans? Because <coughs> that's the next logical path in their development, right? Well, the problem is you only have two guys there, really three. I mean, Dort is good, but he's never healthy. Now Chet's hurt, so we have no idea what he is. But it's Giddy and SGA, right? And Giddy's not a superstar. He's just a good player at this point. Yeah. When do, when do you become New Orleans? Because if I look at New Orleans and I, I see C.J. McCallum, that was a great deal for them. That's a, that was a transformative deal because you knew you had fat at. I mean, Zion Williamson there. Fat! You knew you had Zion Williamson there and you had to build around him. Fat! And you, and you, you, you let Lonzo go. You kept B.I., and you got C.J. McCallum. Now there's, there's scale. Now, Chunky Monkey's hurt fat. again. He's been out. First team all fat ass, bro. But you've got Devontae Graham there. You, you've got Larry Nance Jr. You've got Jackson Hayes, who I think you should trade. Like, they have a roster of guys like, like I'm telling you, Trey Murphy, 
is a guy that can play in this league. You've got guys like that. You've got the, the, the like Jonas Valanciunas. That's a guy that knows how to bang in this league. But they also can put him on the bench and his $14 million contract's not going to kill you. Now, having said that, this deal that you gave to Zion, nah, I'm fine. I'm not paying Zion Williamson. Didn't they pay him like $200 million? Yeah, I'm not paying Zion $200 million to be hurt all the time. Yeah. I'm not doing that. But my point is, that's what I want to know about OKC. When does OKT, OKC take that next step to be New Orleans? And New Orleans, because hell or high water, it feels like New Orleans is going to start bulletproofing Zion Williamson. Hell no. Which is to say, okay, cool, you're hurt. Okay, well, I've got these other guys here. If you felt these balls. And we're going to eventually move you on. The Knicks will take a risk on you. The Celtics, somebody will take a risk on Zion Williamson. What are you, Moss? But right now, we're going to go with OG Ananobi. Right now, we're going to go and get Malik Beasley. You know, reliable options, not first-team all-injured list. Because they're spending $146 million on salary, New Orleans. The, I said the New Orleans Pelicans cap is $146.6 million. Yeah. Holy crap. Are they one of the best teams in the NBA? No. No, they're not. But are they far from being one of the best teams in the NBA? They're not. And when they're healthy, they win a hell of a lot more than they lose. By the way, New Orleans is 10th. Man, the Lakers are only a game out of the playoffs. Yeah. After uh, everything they've been through. Yeah. Yeah. You seem ready to go. I am. Well, it's 9-10, you know. Is it really already? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tyler Reddit says, that's a great take. When does the Thunder become the Pelicans? The Pelicans rebuilding has gone successfully. Next season will be uh, the one to look at. Healthy Chet will be interesting. I'm, I'm curious about that, too. Are you floating? No, I'm okay, good. Okay, good. No, I'm good. Uh, I think Chet is. I think Chet's a really interesting prospect. But this is what I worry about with VW, man. This is what I worried about. Yeah, I All mean, right. Yeah. The the last thing I'll say on this is that Chet is a disappointment until he shows that he's anything. Chinese spy balloons are floating over North America. That's next on CNN tonight. <laughs> Infowars.com. <laughs> Okay, so the Republicans are all over these Chinese the spy Republicans. balloons. And they're like, oh, Grandpa Joe Biden. Is you know, he even awake today? He's asleep at the wheel while the Chinese are stealing our intergalactic ballistic missiles and stuff. Bloody clean, methodical, and thorough. So if you don't know this story, the Chinese have decided that it'd be a good idea yeah. to float spy balloons over Canada and over the United States. Yeah, please respect my privacy. Next question. And we know this because the United States uh, Department of Defense scope these balloons and, and believe that they are Chinese spy balloons. Right, yeah. With no weaponized or recording technology. They simply are, you know, they, they really just don't have a lot of capabilities. They're very low tech. They pose no threat. The, the CIA, the FBI, and the Department of Defense say they, they pose no espionage or, um, you know, defense issues right so the question is what do you do with these balloons well first of all people are like well why don't you shoot them down what if they hit an airplane well the problem is they're they're quite literally floating at the top of the atmosphere yeah so it's they're not in commercial airspace yeah second of all i would probably destroy them but what are you going to send up there to destroy them the cost to destroy them for what the Department of Defense says is very limited exposure. But it does kind of make you wonder. Yeah, I think that 
there are definitely some people saying that 2024 there will be a war between us and China, that that's coming. And I don't know if that's true or not, but there's been some speculation around that. And I feel like if it was me, I would destroy him. I, I would I would be making a statement about this because what is China doing? They're invading airspace, whether it's at the top of the atmosphere, the bottom of the atmosphere, your mom's atmosphere. They're in our airspace. It just is what it is. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, okay, so we let the balloon go. What's next? A satellite? Is that what's next? Or some drone well, or something? They or? already have spy satellites. And this is this is what I say about it. So let me ask you then. Okay, so they have spy satellites that photograph this country every single day. Mm -hmm. And you have these senators that are like, oh, they're floating their they're floating their mom over my, you know, intercontinental ballistic missile farm. Uh oh. It's like, well, hey, bro, just so you know, they have satellite photos of your missile farms already. And they have satellite photos of the White House and our nuclear facilities. And so what is it you're worried about with this Chinese balloon? And the point is, one, don't believe the hype because those of us Republicans that are out there being like, oh my God, the world's ending. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's not ending. How come the Canadians haven't shot theirs down yet? Because it's, it's meaningless. But the point is, it's China's way of just like, yeah, poking the bear. Yep. And what I think it is, and this is, this is my opinion on it, I think they are partnering with Russia to try and get the United States into a, a military confrontation. That's what I think this is. And immediately you have people like, you know, again, Republicans, Donald Trump, people are like, if you, if, if when I'm Donald Trump, I think on Truth social said, when I'm back in the white house, if you try that stunt with me, I'll fly F 16s over your country. And it's like, okay, well, let's think about that, sir. Like this is a harmless refracting, which means it's reflective. It's like, a, it's, there's no proof it's of any danger. I honestly think this is an attempt to provoke the Americans. Yeah, and I think, I think that, you know, Republicans are playing on the, um, you know, the point that it's not really about whether it's a risk or not or dangerous or not. That's not the point. The point is, is that you're in our airspace. And I get it, it's at the top of the atmosphere, but I don't disagree. They're, they're floating stuff over our country. And yep. I don't disagree with you, though, that, hey, it's a ploy to get us to do something. So it's like... That's what I think it is. So, like, it, it's this whole situation where... And again, I'm not here for Republicans and Democrats and liberals, and I'm not here for any we of that. We do that stuff all I'm the just, time. I'm just not going to get into that drama. I, 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 If it was me, I am kind of of the mindset that I would be very close close knit or whatever about our airspace you know and and yeah if i if if multiple agencies have looked at it and deemed it not a threat and they're you know it's not something that needs to be taken action on then i trust that but i'm telling you it's it is that thing you're talking about where they're poking the bear so my only concern is okay first thing it's a balloon that's not of harm then what's next what what is the next like iteration if you will and i'm telling well, you this this thing in ukraine Right. Yeah. This thing in Ukraine is a problem now for our country because we've sent tanks over there now. And so now there's official statements being made out of North Korea and China and all these people who are trying to fight us. And what I'm telling you is at some point, at some point, and I've been saying this since the Ukraine conflict started, we will be involved and Big Brother is going to have to step in and do something about it. And I'm telling you, 
Pootie can keep talking about hitting the nuke button. That's never going to happen. But I don't see, buy I don't it. worry about, and we were talking about this before the show, and Jake, as a as a 12-year-old prepubescent boy, um, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Uh, <laughs> I don't think your generation has a real fear of world conflict because you didn't live through the Cold War. Mm-hmm. As some, I'm 50 years well, old. Well, that's what this is the start of, though. That right? is what this that's is. That's what this is. This is the start of a world conflict. Because, by the way, we're already in a world conflict over Ukraine because it's all of the NATO countries versus China, Russia, and North Korea. That, and Iran, to a certain extent. That's what this is. But what this is is a bunch of countries who have to support Russia because Russia can't support itself. And you have an ailing, older Vladimir Putin, who I think is on the verge of being, I think, ousted. And I think that China is trying to do everything it can do to pull the Americans in. I, I look at this very much the same way you can look at any of these events over history. I think 9-11 was an effort to pull us in. I think Pearl Harbor was absolutely an effort to pull us Whoa, in. Oh, the U.S. government did 9-11. Come on. Uh, thank you. That's right. Thank I forgot you. about on. that. That's right. Come on. Um, but I think that's largely what these events are. Yes, Americans. You, they're provocations. Because again, I think when you look at, let's say this is this balloon is worst case scenario. What is worst case scenario? Well, you're not going to put a nuclear warhead in a balloon. It, yeah, it's not, not like not a it. weapon of destruction. What it is, is a, an information gathering tool. Let's say that's worst case scenario, because I think that is. What are you really getting that you don't already have? Because again, I, I say, what people don't understand is there are Chinese military satellites that circle the globe every single day, and their only job is to photograph military installments, assets, yeah, installations. Or, yeah. So if, if they're sending a satellite around the globe, the one time it passes, Jimmy has his tanker truck parked over here. The next time it passes, Jimmy moved his tanker truck over here. Well, what's he fueling? Well, let's look the next time. Like, that's what satellites are for. Yeah. It's how we knew that the North Koreans were building infrastructure. It's how we know the Iranians are building infrastructure. This is not secret. Yeah. It's not. If you believe that Russia, China, Iran, anybody doesn't know where our nuclear assets are, you're crazy. Yeah. If you truly believe that, like these Republican senators that are freaking out over their ballistic missiles, do you really think that they don't know where our ballistic missiles are? Is that what you think? And the funny thing to me is, is that they know they know where they are. I don't believe they know the exact extent to how much nuclear power we have. They just know it's more than what they have. Well, and and I think one of the the more interesting conversations I heard yesterday uh, on ABC was that you're not going to get, they're not going to hit the United States first. If somebody was going to come and attack us, yeah, they would attack us in Germany. They would attack us in our European front because they want to weaken our ability to come and, and get them, to come and retaliate against them. Now, I don't know how you would do that because you'd have to have China, Russia, and somebody else would have to step in there and really take steps to... And we already know that Russian, Russia just can't do it. Well, and what is what has Ukraine really been for the military and the defense 
system or whatever. Educational. It's been educational. That's and it's what allowed it's been. us to 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 get really good and get really up to speed on moving military equipment across the globe. That's what it's Correct. allowed us to do. And and I don't think and again, I'm just speculating, just my opinion, right? I don't think that that when Putin started that war in Ukraine, he thought about that. I don't think it went through his head, oh, when I provoke the U.S. to get involved, what have I just done? Well, I've just allowed them to load up their, you know, their C-130s with tanks and fly them over the Atlantic Ocean to our country and or to Germany and and get really good at that because now I put myself in a position where I've, uh, I, in my opinion, they have strengthened us in the sense that now we're ready to go. We're on alert. We're we're ready. Well, and that's the other thing about all of this Chinese balloon stuff. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, Joe Biden's asleep at the wheel. Right. He had no idea that the balloon was that. Do you really think that the military didn't know that balloon was there? You think he hasn't been briefed? Like, come on, dude. What is like, the advantage of Joe Biden? Okay, here's Uncle Joe Biden, emergency breaking news press conference on CNN or whatever left-leaning network. On the left-leaning liberal broadcasting circuit, I need to tell you there's a Chinese air balloon. Uh, <coughs> why is he going to do that? <coughs> do you really think he's going to be like, holy shit, people, get into your, your bomb shelters. There's a Chinese air balloon and we don't know what it is. And I'm too old. And frankly, I can't put a sentence together. So I cannot tell you what to do. Yeah. You really think that, do you really think the White House wants Joe Biden talking any more than he has to talk? First of all, no. Second of all, what good is it going to do to be like, oh shit, China scared us. Oh my God. China, Go China, China. And shut your mouth. It's an air balloon. It's an air balloon that they've thoroughly vetted. Do you really think they're like, oh, hey, let's put some smallpox into an air balloon and drop it on America. <laughs> it's not what it is. And I think people forget the role that we play in the world, man. Like, yeah. You understand this is this goes back to the playground in elementary school, right? This this is this is this is hey, we're big brother on the playground and and little brother over here is is throwing wood chips at us, throwing yes. rocks at us, you know, trying to provoke us, wants anything that that they can have to try to get us suspended the next day from school. Yep. That's what it is. Darren Ingram um says problem isn't Problem is you don't want to date images. They have they add a ton of value on movements and prep. Well, that's I don't disagree with that. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with that. But, but are we are we preparing for war? We probably are. Yeah. We probably are. I don't disagree with but, you. On but but here's the thing. I, I love this notion. I love this notion. We're preparing for World War as if we weren't prepared already. Dude, do you realize like I, I forget the stat. I don't know it off the top of my head. But our defense budget and like the way we go about the military is is the most robust in the world. I mean, what is the point of having, you know, as Donnie called it, F-16s? I mean, what is the point of having F-22 Raptors on flight status if you're not going to fly them around and, you know, show what you can do? Like, what's what is the point? Like, we're ready. I'm, I'm telling you guys, we're ready to go. Like, if you think that we're just sitting here and this isn't to Darren specifically, but like, I feel like a lot of people in our country are like, dude, like we're just chilling. We're just sitting on our hands. That's what I feel like they're that, that they think. And that's just not the case. Yeah. And I think the other part of this that's interesting is do we really know what China's military capability is? I don't think we do. I think we now know what Russia's is. 
but I don't think we know what what China's is. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just me. Fat Jesus, good morning, says they want us to shoot them down because they're filled with new COVID strains. There you go. There you go. Jeremy Severe says program a satellite to run into it and make it look like an accident. Would that be an accident? Uh, Lewis says it's an invasion of airspace and needs to be dealt with as such. I don't disagree with that. But this is not an airplane. This is not a drone. This is not a weaponized vehicle. Yeah. You know, and I'm curious, is it just floating along on the wind? This is the other thing I find interesting. Is it just truly following the jet stream or is it mechanical? I'd be interested to know that, you know, that, that to me would be interesting to see like what, what it would be. Matthew Webb says, uh, I hate both parties. Dude is a lifelong Republican. I agree with you. Like it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. It's crazy to me that we can't even agree on how to defend our country. That's what's crazy to me. Um, just like the Dems telling GOP how to run Congress. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. Uh, Macho Man says, any war with China and Russia will involve a nuclear exchange. I'm convinced of that. I think the Chinese would, would do that. I don't think the Russians have the appetite for it. Because, again, I think Russia has been so incredibly weakened. And, and a, a nuclear... A nuclear confrontation, that's a loss for Russia. Yeah. What happens with us? How do we? I don't know. My guess is that if there was a nuclear confrontation, my guess is Russia would be in trouble. Iran, Israel. I think you would have a lot of the the, the globe would absolutely be targeted because they could be. Yeah. You know, like if you look at the countries that would really take a beating, I worry about the UK. I worry about all of our European allies because they're, I mean, that's your neighbor right there. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the Russian bear is like right there on the other side of your fence. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, I, it just, it's, it's scary, man. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely scary. Uh, Cold war uh, two is on the horizon. No, I think world war three is on the horizon. Yeah. Is what I would say. You know, RR says, would be better to send jets and everything to Ukraine sooner than later, like the tanks and the air defense. I, but how, how, yeah, I'm not, I'm not willing to, to go any further than absolutely positively necessary. I just don't, uh, Boyd Lake says China is moving chess pieces. They will learn from how we react. I don't disagree with that at all. But that's what I'm saying. We dictate it. We're, we're the ones that set the pace, you yeah. know, like if we shoot down a balloon, then they're going to send the next level up and see how we were like, it's just, it, that's what I'm saying. We can't, it, the, there is no point to just sending all of our military assets to Ukraine. That doesn't, it's not, no. it's technically no. not our war, but because we're NATO, we have a responsibility to contribute. And so we are contributing. And I think that, you know, we're again, I'm just telling you people around the world aren't stupid. Like China probably hates our guts and would love to see us fall. I'm sure of that. I'm sure the Russians and the North Koreans, I'm sure of all of that. But people at their core are not stupid. You launch you launch a nuke against the US, like you know what's coming. Like you know what's gonna happen to your people. Like that's it's a matter of what are you willing to put up with. If you because because I agree with you. I mean, there's no secrets globally anymore. But also, Darren, I agree with Darren. One hundred percent it's uh right, it's to provoke. Worst case would be a live feed. That would be the worst case scenario. For me, if there was like a camera on the bottom of that balloon, yeah. one, I don't know that you have camera technology that's remote that would, because that thing is not close to the earth. No. If you, I mean, if you really understand where that balloon is, I mean, 
It is up in the atmosphere. Like, it is not low. I don't know that you have remote camera technology that's not mechanical, that's not motorized on a drone that can get you what you need that's not a satellite. Yeah. So if it was a live feed, I agree, Darren. I think that'd be worst case scenario. Darren says, but balloons don't look capable of a live feed. That's what I think. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, James Knight says, we've got you back down here, big bro. Okay. Okay. Boyd Lake says, the Chinese want to know if that crazy rancher still shoots his rifle to keep people away from the grizzly bears in his ranch in Yellowstone. I think that's what, I think that's what they're looking for. You know, uh, Greg Hawkins. Good morning, my guy. What's up? Good to see you, man. Uh, Putin uh, believed Ukraine was e- would easily fall after their initial attack on Kiev. Uh, decapitate the leadership and do a large version of their 2014 invasion. He underestimated Ukraine's resolve. Putin also misunderstood Western intentions and thought that NATO would uh, devolve into infighting amongst its allies. That part is fascinating to me. Again, another another thing, though. This is so this is my point. So from that angle, I think it's a great point by Greg. From that angle, Putin's assuming, you know, that, hey, NATO would fall apart. But how can NATO fall apart when you have a clear leader in our country? Like, I understand that that foreign relations, like everyone's got an opinion. Germany's got an opinion and Canada's got an opinion. Like everyone's got an opinion. But the reality is whoever's got the most guns and the most firepower, like it's just like currency. Whoever's got the most money in a business transaction has the power. So... The idea, and this is where this is why I think the Russians aren't here for it. The idea that you're struggling to beat Ukraine, like before NATO really got involved, is Dude. shocking. Yeah. So the idea that you know Putin's going to nuke the U.S. and bring that upon himself is just asinine to me. Now China, China on the other hand, I think is here for it. I think China's got numbers. I think China's always been a country that has millions upon millions of boots on the ground, and that's how they like to go about it. And they have technology too. But I think it's just a very different mindset with China. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I love global politics. I have always been fascinated by politics. Um, I keep close tabs on it. And it's, again, we've talked about my frustration as a Republican. Like, I'm frustrated as an American that when something like this balloon thing happens, everybody goes after Biden. Yeah. And then Biden goes after, like, it's like, just shut up and fix it. Like, we're Americans. We shouldn't be, that's a frustrating thing to me. I just, I'll be interested to see what this is. I don't know what it is. I think, I don't know that they'll, do you really think they'll shoot it down? Mm, Not until they have a reason. Not until they have a political play. Like a, like a, uh, not a, not a. Not a domestic political play. What I mean is they will shoot it down when it when it brings them a purpose, a reason. A, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I also think that they will shoot it down when it's not over land because I also think there's some concern about the unknown of what happens on that balloon. You know, like it is... Yeah, maybe um, they let it get into international airspace because then you're then technically you're dealing with everybody. By the way, the Chinese actually, the foreign minister issued a statement saying the balloon that was reported in American airspace is, a, is of civilian nature and is intended for weather monitoring and scientific research. Well, you probably should have asked for permission, Dick. And that's why we had to shoot down your, your weather so, center. So, okay, so now it's a giant weather station. So now they've blinked. They've the blinked. Balloon. They've blinked. They blinked. Yeah, I, I I absolutely do. 
This doesn't mean that that's what it actually is, but they've blinked. No. So now I, you can shoot it down. I'm not taking anybody at their word. Yeah. But the Chinese did say that um, it is a it is intended to be a weather experiment. So yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that. Any big plans with the with the honey this weekend? Ah, uh, not yet. No, maybe snowboarding. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe snowboarding. Yeah. Well, you have time. I mean, we don't snowboard together anymore. I assume you're snowboarding with your honey. Well, I've been trying to go snowboarding with you tomorrow, and you just keep saying no. So. Well, we don't snowboard together anymore. Right. On the weekends. Right. You know, I'm on my own. Right. You know. Right. Which is really interesting, actually. I actually thought I would hate snowboarding by myself. I thought like, because I had, before this year, I had never done it. I had never snowboarded alone. Mm -hmm. And I thought I would hate it. I actually don't hate it. It's bizarre. The thing that I hate is sitting in the middle seat on the chairlift. I am a right seat guy, man. I want to sit on the right hand side of the chairlift and... Mm -hmm. I hate sitting in the middle, especially if I have my GoPro with me. I hate sitting in the middle of the chairlift. How stupid is that? But I don't know if it's stupid or not, but you know. Yeah. But I, and by the way, I am proud of myself. I didn't kill myself. I didn't kill myself getting off of the orange bubble at Canyons last weekend or mm -hmm. two weekends ago. Yeah. Last weekend, whenever that was. Um, I didn't kill my, I, is the orange bubble at Canyons overrated or do you like it? It's all right. I mean, I, I think that when that side of the mountain's open, that's some of the best you can get in Park City. But I opinion. never use the heat. For those of you who don't know, the Orange Bubble Chairlift at Canyons Resort in Park City um, is heated. So you can put the bubble down and it'll keep you warm. I never put it down. Yeah. I, mean, I don't I'm know not, why I'm, I'm dumb. I'm not a big bar but... down guy when I ride the chair alone. I, but should you be a bar down guy on a, on a, on a chairlift? Yeah, probably. Probably. There are some... There, there's a couple in Tahoe where it's like, whoa, dude. Yeah. Okay, let me go ahead and put that bar down. Yeah. Okay, I get that. At Canyons, there's probably only one lift at Canyons where I'm uncomfortable and I want to put the bar down. Yeah. And the bubble's not it. Like, I'm not uncomfortable in the bubble at all, but you got to put the, the thing down. The only other problem with that is I'm tall. So when there's foot rests on the, when you put the bar down, there's a foot rest there. It's so uncomfortable for me. But sometimes you got to do it. Mm -hmm. I am not a bar down guy. Yeah, I am not a bar down guy at all, but I don't know. By the way, if anybody's going up to Park City, I am a uh, we are are um, Vail Resort guys. I have an Epic Pass. Yeah. Um, next week, going to I believe a week from today. Is it a week from? To it is a week from today. We go to Tahoe. We'll be off next Friday because we're going to Tahoe for uh, my birthday. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be amazing. We're actually going to be in Tahoe for Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. We will be doing afternoon shows, not next week, but the week after that. We'll be doing afternoons because then you'll be forced to snowboard with me. You won't have a choice. Right, right. So, you know, yeah. there you go. All right, that's it. Show's over. It's already 930. Yeah. Where did the morning go? My bad. Uh, the Monty Show, as always, is presented by our good friends at The Advocates. Theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. You don't pay the advocates a penny until they win your case. So no consultation fees, no big retainers, no, no, friends. The advocates are so confident that they can represent you for a positive outcome to get you whole that they don't charge you until you win. they win your case at theadvocates.com. Until Monday, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. <laughs>